this week's episode of the Back to Back Films podcast. This week, we're covering Kabiria and Hercules, discussing all things Peplum. As always, in order to have the best discussion possible, I recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode because of potential spoilers. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. Alrighty, so we're back on schedule for recording Thursday nights. Any updates between Thursdays? I uh, I went and saw Baby Driver. You guys Ooh, I'm see jealous. That? I need to see that. I Pretty want, good. That's on my list. Oh, I, man. Honestly, it's I think it's Edgar Wright's. It's like the least Edgar Wright of Edgar Wright's movies, disappointingly. Um, but it's still a really good movie, and you know, it's kind of like. It's like like they're they have this really interesting choreography that goes to the beat of like whatever track that they're playing. Uh, so it's it's sort of like John Wick, except instead of like really paced out choreography, it's like set to like a nice piece of like hipster music, and it's really cool. It's because really he listens to music, right? When he does his thing, yeah, he listens to music. So a big part of his character is is that he is constantly playing music and music is a huge huge part of his life um <coughs> when he's not playing music he can't really function correctly um so it's kind of neat um but yeah totally totally good totally worth watching you know I'm guessing... I, there's a lot of haters out there who are like yo that sucks worst movie ever and it's like have you even watched a movie <laughs> is this your first movie you've ever seen you think this <laughs> is the worst movie there's some garbage people out there though it seems like there's no middle ground with that movie. Like, you like it or you don't like it. And it's not like, oh, it was okay. I, I feel like there could be a middle ground. I think people are just stupid because it has all this popularity. And so they're like, they want to shit on it because it's popular, you know? Because it's, it's performing pretty well in box office. It's, to me, unfortunately, like, when the trailers popped out, it seemed like it was going to be one of those movies that everybody who wants to be cool is gonna say they like it even if they don't wait so film bro yeah like i feel no yeah i can see that like i feel like this is a film bro movie in the sense that because it has a cool soundtrack it's got a cool cast um and it's by a young director that is known for cool like cool shit cool shit that he was just coming off of uh ant-man and and ant-man was you know he didn't didn't get to make it but um you know he did some stuff. <laughs> okay. It's actually called podcasting. <laughs> it's not <laughs> blogging, sir. Sir. <laughs> That's yeah. uh we can take that out. Um <laughs> I leave all this stuff in. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> It'll be a nice awkward silence for the audience. Um <laughs> Is that a dog? Is that a dog? <laughs> oh yeah. That's Mira. <laughs> That's Mira Bira. That's hilarious. She's, and that's Anthony. She he just says, made her he way says in. Hi. <laughs> Anthony, my roommate, current roommate, says hi. But um, yeah, like I, I don't know. I just I, like it. Just it seemed like one of those movies, and a part of it's because this type of movie, you know, it has violence. It has the pop culture references and, and the hip soundtrack. Like it's just it, it. It has everything that the people that want to be cool will say they like even if yeah. they don't actually really like it and it's it, like and i don't know exactly how to explain that but yeah i think I, you I, explained it pretty perfectly like, and I, I haven't seen the movie and i know that i'm gonna probably really like it. it'll probably be in my top you know favorite films of the year because i just love those type of movies i love 
car chase movies. I love action movies. I love movies that take genres and they kind of do something new with it. And Edgar Wright's cool. I've been a big fan ever since, of course, Shaun of the Dead. Even though I still haven't seen Scott Pilgrim, which is, I know. That's so bizarre to me. I feel like you'd love that movie. I know. I think I would, too. So, like, I I don't know. But, like, all of his other stuff I really like, um, including his, like, short films and stuff. But, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm I'm stoked for it. But it's just, it's weird. There's other movies that I'm trying to think of that are kind of like this, that even just the trailer, you know, it gets well, released and then everybody's going to say it's the best movie it's it's so good it's so cool and it's like the podcast favorite movie drive <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> one like of that. them kind of yeah, yeah. It's like, the trailer not, was kind of cut to be more actiony i think yeah that's not the entirety of the podcast favorite movie though that was just, uh, <laughs> in fact a third of us don't even know who directed that who's the director <laughs> Oh, gonna, that joke never gets we old. G- we give yeah. so many. It will always be. Every, every time you guys bring it up, I'm making that joke. We just give. So you know. We give. It's so up many to you. Shoutouts to Raffin. Seriously. <laughs> wow. When two thirds of the podcast like really loves that director, yeah. then it makes sense. Re- Ref. What's his name again? Uh, Nicholas Winding Raffin. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what? What? It. what are, it was in my brain somewhere. I just had to dig for it. What, what's another movie that's like like Baby Driver? In that sense of like that has that coolness factor, um, John Wick. Yeah, but John it's Wick not. It's, it's cool. not as hipsterishy though. Or is film, it? It's not as film bro though. You know what I mean? Like because there there are people that it's kind of film bro. Kinda. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like I feel more <laughs> of the goth kids are actually going to see John Wick than like the actual film bros. You know what I mean? I don't know. I can't I think of know. too many movies that are like like it right you know what I mean? yeah like, I'm to... i can just name edgar wright movies like honestly it's like kind of scott pilgrimy but it's yeah. he's kind of, he's kind of like the new tarantino rodriguez in the sense and ironically they're really good friends in the sense that he his all of his films are are you can tell they're set in this world but they're at the same time the right world you know what i mean like it's right it's not he has his own vision. Um, he's, yeah, he's got style. like a he's got a voice, and he writes, and he directs all of it, his shit. You know, and it it's just, almost like a cinematic universe. You could you could yeah, argue yeah. that like it's almost like that, but it's. Um, and I don't know what it is, but he taps into something that all, that most people can relate to to some degree, and I think it has that it has that coolness factor. I don't know what that is exactly. How to explain that better? Right. Than well, that it's like pun- it's like p- punchy. It's yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. It's it, it it's that it's quick quick wit and yeah, it's really fast paced and it never stops. Like the, right. the, the it, it's constant jokes, constant close ups with like really heavy sound design on them, you know. And it's just like always, it's always going. It's like an Energizer Bunny of a movie, <laughs> you know. It's just like con- it's just constant shit happening. I guess and, what I like about that is that it's, it's it's like Tarantino in the sense that every like camera movement with sound and everything is is so on purpose. It's so it, it all has, you know, the director wanted it in there for a particular reason. So right, it it just feels just well thought out and just like a complete piece. You know, <laughs> I guess yeah, similar. This movie, movie kind of feels that way. There's moments <clears throat> where it kind of dips down, but um, and it's like this is becoming just a regular movie, but. There's definitely, like, I, I feel like you can just tell exactly what they're going for in the first scene, 
you know, the very first, and it, it tells you exactly what the movie is. And, uh, then you're like, either you like it after that point, or you're just like, I'm going to have to sit through another a hundred or uh, yeah. Another 110 minutes of this, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's make or break right at the beginning. I guess similar movies we could say would be like trying to keep that cool vibe or whatever. It would be fast and the furious franchise. Um, and then I was also just looking at here too, but for other car movies in general, maybe Gone in 60 Seconds, an Italian job might be up there too, because they're sort of yeah, heist-based Those are car similar movies. with car movies, but but Edgar Wright, he he like he puts text on screen in really interesting ways. He he has really like like this is a horrible adjective, Br- Britishly designed like title cards. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I am there's to... like it's like I mean he's like a he's a postmodern he's like taking those movies that I just mentioned and making it more like postmodern like even Fast and Furious is fairly modern it's not really changing anything whereas I think Edgar Wright's trying to twist things here and there you know kind of yeah. break the traditional mold a little bit yeah because it has like all the elements that everyone loves and goes to the movies for. But right. then he has this new concept where it's kind of set and paced to the soundtrack um, that's kind of unique and original, which is cool. I mean, it's right. been done before, but not the whole movie. You know, like, it's not set to what the character is listening to, you know? Right. That, that's kind of cool. Yeah, he's like he's like deciding, like, hey, we're going to throw all the Hollywood conventions of editing out the window and we're going to edit this thing like a music video. We're we're going right. to we're going to choreograph this thing to beats. So like I feel like they were on set like literally playing the soundtrack like the soundtrack like a music video and they were having people like fire guns to beats. They were having people like turn their heads to beats, drum on things to beats, like they just kind of do. And then there's like some Birdman sort of ish stuff where like they're, you know, do, like in Birdman, how they kind of fly by with the drum set, and they're like, do, 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 you know, they kind of do that in this movie too. Um, it's, just, it's that kind of similar kind of feel to it, where it's all really connected in a really interesting way. So I, I guess a film that I'm kind of thinking of that has this would be like Spring Breakers, in the sense that it has that cool factor. Like people, of course, saw the trailer, and of course, they're gonna hy- hype it all up before they actually saw the movie. Which I thought that's like. I don't know. I love Spring Breakers. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, it actually, films because I, I consider it a film, not a movie. But uh, it uh, Harmony Crean completely did what you just explained that Wright did for this movie before Wright did. Uh, Harmony Crean <laughs> is just he thinks about this stuff. I don't know. He's just I don't know. It's just dope. But he did the same type type of thing. Um, if you watch that movie, his actors and stuff are they had like super loud music playing on set and they had you know they would move to the beats and they would edit the film like a music video where you hear rifles or uh, pistols going off um when there's a cut in the film and stuff like that so that's i don't know it's it's like one of those movies that tries to push things and then other directors later come and get influenced by that and then yeah but it doesn't get like that full recognition right well right. spring breakers got more recognition but yeah so yeah so <laughs> i don't know I definitely <laughs> want to check out that movie too yeah <clears throat> yeah it's totally worth it it's worth going to the theaters i'd i'd say 
even for just like a semi master class in editing how to um, edit differently I feel like a lot of people look at it like that and I'm sure there's a really good reason for for them to think that but I don't know if I were if I were teaching a class I, I honestly I probably wouldn't bring bring it up at all I mean you kind of just made the case for it being one to watch for how to edit to music in different ways and yeah but I mean I, I feel like it's so unconventional that it's not relevant you know like if you wanted to learn how to like edit sh- random shit then it'd be so much easier for you to um you know watch an actual music video or 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 watch you know but when you're getting a direction from the your filmmaker buddy and he's telling you like I want you to do this really specific thing I think that's fine but it's just like it's too unique of a thing like I don't know it's like it it'd be like learning how to make this really obscure movie and how it was made and then like learn all the techniques in how it was made and then try to apply that to like new Hollywood like it just you know that just doesn't or or for commercial work like it's just not I just I, I wouldn't think it would be relevant it's cool it's different which is good but if you want to like work and you know and work on things then I probably wouldn't bring it up at all eh, I mean it doesn't hurt to have it in your back pocket just in case though uh, no, <laughs> honestly, I don't. I don't think so at all. Uh, if you guys watched the movie, you might know what I mean. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's cool. It's 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 cool. But you know, if it were me teaching a class, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring it up at all. Hmm. Cool. Oh, really? That's oh, that's interesting. Cool. Well, I, yeah, I'm I'm stoked to see it though. We should. Oh no, it's it's totally worth watching, and it has has cool editing for sure. We should develop like. Our, each of us should develop a lesson plan for a class and see how different <laughs> cool. each of our or, or pick like what are ten movies we would show for ten weeks of a quarter in a college oh, yeah, class. That would be right? cool. And compare the lists. That would be cool. Actually, we should yeah. do that. Yeah, that'd be that'd make a fun episode. That that should be like a twenty episode thing or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> a twenty episode uh, series. Well, no, no, I mean like yeah. like for the like, I, meant, I meant for like the twentieth episode or something like a, a celebration. Oh yeah, yeah. Every tenth episode. Yeah, we do something, do something just stupid, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hold on, I'm just trying to write it down real quick so we can yeah, get make her, note get, of it. Get her done. Get her no, done. That'd Honestly, actually, that'd be interesting. I'd, I'd be curious to hear like what your because it wouldn't be necessarily your favorite movies. It'd be the movies that you think would best demonstrate certain concepts that you would want to teach in your 10-week film class. And we'd save, like, film studies, like, like, you know, like, basic film studies, like 301 or something, where you yeah. know that you're going to be talking a little more in-depth, but it's still, like, the beginning of a film theory yeah. lineup, you know what I mean? Where it's not, like, 101 or something. Yeah. Where you're, like... Right. You know, this is... Uh, you know, an editing technique. <laughs> this is what editing is. Yeah, like yeah. This thing. is what cinematography right. is. This is a lens. You know what a lens does? Yeah. <laughs> right. One of those, one of those uh, film theory 101 classes where you watch The Usual Suspects. That's <laughs> yeah, like one of the yeah. first movies you watch. <laughs> is, that what, is that what you guys watched? I'm pretty sure it was on the list of things pretty early on. It's funny. Oh, I actually, funny. weirdly enough, I think I had a class... It was like 364 or something like that, and we had to watch The Usual Suspects. It was a narrative film class, um, and it was about how just different movies are constructed narratively, you know, or dif- differently through narrative. So, like, we t- we did 
the usual suspects we did pulp fiction we did pedro almodovar's um bad uh education and you know different movies that play with um narrative structure hmm. that was one of the ones that's pretty cool yeah because of that you know the twist yeah that's, <laughs> that's kind of neat so yeah, yeah. Un- kind of unconventional yeah uh, so, like, structures we, yeah yeah we kind of looked at that film probably differently than like a 101 class would do but um yeah like you know diegetic narrative or diegesis and all that i don't know it's, it's oh i think i was in that class <laughs> with you actually yeah it was with douglas park right yeah <laughs> blank stairs getting think, blank I stairs i think that was his name i i did I, there was a teacher that something like that not yeah. park no there was one called what i think it that? was like douglas park or something i'm pretty sure it was, it, older guy and then i think Lar- larner dan larner oh no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> yeah I, I never had him that was the fairhaven guy that dude was a trip <laughs> yeah oh my god what is that was, guy's it name? was douglas something when you I, say his name, I'll totally... I think it was Douglas Parker. Something like that. I don't know. What am I thinking of? That's weird. That sounds right to me, but I, I don't know. I only took a very select few teachers for those classes. He was an older classes, guy. So. Uh, really nice. I only had the one class with him. Right. So that 400-level class. And Kyle Wavre was in our class, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I had a lot of classes with, um, with uh, Corey Volk. And oh yeah, I think Corey was in that Kyle. class too. Like most of all my film classes, I had at least Corey and Kyle in every single film class that I took, pretty much. Um, and Ben, Ben Fagan. Was it? Um, oh my God, we watched like Aubrey Los Ojos and Twelve Monkeys too in that. Yeah, class. yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, and what of course, uh, La Jete. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I, we Dude, used, we what? watched La Jete in a couple film classes actually at Western because I had they, Cave had us watch La Jete as well. I f- think I saw that one too. What the f- fucking class was it that I watched that? And it was in with him. I don't know why we watched it. Uh, La Jete. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think he had it in um, his. Uh, it might have just been film studies. He yeah, just I think had it. It might have been just in the film studies class. Yeah, that was. A, I love that short film, and I love the music to that piece. It's not a short film, is it? La Jete. Yeah, it's like it's like thirty. Oh, that's something. not what I watched then. Oh, we watched okay. like a full length Godard, crazy French experimental film. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was like really hard to watch. How, was... how do you spell La Jete? It's a. Uh, just L A and then J E T E right? E I think two E's. I think I don't know. But if you type in uh, La Jete okay. or if you yeah, type I remember in, this now. It's yep. by Chris Marker. Yeah. What the? We watched Godard French oh. film and it had this crazy. It was known. Well, it was known for a bunch of its shots, but there was one shot in particular it was really known for where it was in a supermarket, and the camera literally for like. 15 minutes just dollied to one end of the market and then all the way back and then back to that end but in this whole time there was this weird like it started out really slow with like a you know everyday market the main character kind of goes in and is like doing some shopping and all of a sudden there's like this like riot that spills into the marketplace and like the whole place kind of gets destroyed and shit starts going crazy but the camera doesn't do anything besides that slow dolly back and forth i never saw that one it's weird oh. it's a weird movie oh wow yeah i had one where in Kavi's class where it was this film and it was literally the camera in uh, in a position 
like in a house and it would be in a room in, a, in the house like, like the kitchen and the camera would just slowly rotate 360 degrees and you would see the, the quote actors like doing things in the kitchen and then you wouldn't when the camera's not capturing them <laughs> and it's like the weirdest thing and it would just sit there for five minutes slowly rotating that's so and then wow, it would go weird to, yeah and then it would go to a different location and the camera would slowly rotate it was like wow a really weird uh, take on just like time and and camera movement it was just weird that is it, weird it, it was it's an avant-garde film it wasn't a right a, a narrative did, film did but. you see uh it follows have you guys seen that yeah that sounds familiar. It, it's it's like the, that horror film. Yeah, you go ahead, Keith. You go. The horror film where the the thing that's following you is transferred oh, by having sex. That's right. I haven't seen that, but it looked good. I, I want. Yeah. I wanted to see that one. Like it's kind of like the STD one, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's supposed to be like an allegory yeah. for STDs. Yeah, but and, and the reason I bring it up because in in, in that movie they kind of do this rotation thing, and that and what you said kind of reminded me of it. They do a rotation thing, and th- some scenes almost become a game of like where this thing is coming from because it it slowly walks to you, right? And you're hanging out with a camera, and all your actors are around the camera, and it just slowly spins around. And I, when I was watching it, I was like looking in the background, like trying to find the one person that's walking directly to camera because that would be the monster because it slowly walks. Um, and I just thought that was kind of interesting because it, cool. it, it has that spin move same spin move but it gives it like a really distinct purpose and it makes scenes really interesting uh because you're they're talking about they can talk about whatever the hell they want yeah but you're immediately interested um just because of the it's almost you know because of the game of it like because of the it's you you want to see where the monster is and how close and you have no idea the yeah, time. I check that out yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I love the soundtrack. I have the soundtrack. <laughs> I haven't even seen the movie. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember the soundtrack. I remember not liking the movie that much, but I don't know. Probably worth a try in a better mindset, maybe. Uh, but when anyway. You're not, when you're not drunk and high, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> not in a hater mode. All the strippers <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. Watch it without strippers next time. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, our main topic this week is the peplum genre. Also known as sword and sandal films, uh, they're basically just kind of like uh, biblical epics, historical epic type films that were largely Italian made. Uh, Italy was kind of the main country that was producing these types of films, although Hollywood was also doing this. I'll kind of touch on that in just a little bit. Uh, And uh, Italy was kind of producing these films mainly between like 1958 and up until 1965-ish. Hercules was kind of the one that kicked off this whole thing in 1958. Uh, And when 1965 came around, uh, the genre shifted more into spaghetti westerns and Euro spy films, and which, you know, kind of dominated for the next, like, 20-some years before Peplum kind of came back around, and there was a resurgence of that. Uh, like many Italian films at this time, they are all dubbed over with English, which is kind of what separates a lot of these films and makes them really obvious, like, right away, because you can, like, obviously tell when it's dubbed over. I know, right. like, Argento was part of this uh, phenomenon 
where it's just they I don't know they just wanted it really accessible to American audiences I guess they didn't want to even deal with subtitling it so they just dubbed it said whatever uh, which is interesting too because Steve Reeves in Hercules is actually American so they actually dubbed his like over his voice too and I don't know if that's because he like was speaking Italian or if they just were doing it because they were dubbing everyone's voice, you know? Yeah, I know that even sometimes in these Italian films, they would have, like, the actors sometimes speak English and then sometimes speak um, Italian. Because like, it didn't just, matter, necessarily. Yeah, just, like, depending on the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. So bizarre. Uh, so, like I said, at this time in film history, Hollywood was also producing many of these types of films. Um, more along the lines of, like, biblical, historical stuff. Uh, Ten Commandments, Spartacus, and these um, sword and sandal films were created to compete with those and kind of get a cut of all the money that was being pumped into and being made off of these historical epics. Because kind of like historical epic has kind of been around for a while, especially biblical epic, and they've always had a bunch of money attached to it. Always, you know, most of these epics, by their nature of being an epic, usually have millions of dollars attached to him even you know for the 60s and earlier when millions of dollars was more equatable to like 20 million dollars nowadays um but yeah they're always really high budget films and there's a lot of people were making a lot of money off these films um yeah so our first film we were talking about is hercules made in 1958 like i said it kind of kicked off the sword and sandal genre it was a surprise hit um uh, even Italians didn't really think that it was going to take off like it did. So basic plot summary according to IMDb. Uh, the muscular Hercules performs his labors, sails with the Ar- Argonauts, and romances the fair Iole. Kind of a broad, really, really broad summary. It's kind of a melodramatic film, so yeah, it's kind of the good guy's going to conquer the bad guy. Right. And he, uh, he basically just goes through and does all the things that you read about in you know the just the like the greek yep. like the ancient greek myths you know like he he does like the golden fleece and he does um you know goes to like the amazons or whatever and are those actually the amazons is that what that was or did they have another name i don't think they were called amazonians but it was like the isle of women or it's like just women right it was like that same there. idea yeah. yeah because all of it's based off of the like original stories the greek Stories, the Greek or, myths, or, yeah. Greeks or Romans, either uh, both of those, I think. Um, either way, it's based off of those older stories. <clears throat> so the film was written by Ennio de Concini and directed by Pietro Francisco. It stars Steve Reeves, uh, Silva Coscina, Fabrizio Mioni, Ivo Garani, Gianna Maria Canale, Arturo Domenici and Mimo Palmer among many others like I said it's a you know it's an epic so there's going to be a crazy amount of actors and a bunch of little small roles and stuff like that uh, it's uh, let's see the film was produced by uh, Federico Tetti shot by Mario Serendre Serendre music was by Enzo Massetti set decoration was by Flavio Margarini and costumes were by Giulio Coltolacci. Yeah, I don't speak Italian, so I'm probably butchering the hell out of these you names. You don't? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't show. Yeah. Saying any foreign names, the Japanese ones were 
pretty rough too. Right. Uh, so Hercules basically kickstarted the trend Wait, of peplum. Say, what? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Did I say a name wrong? Well, it says you have shot by uh, Mario Serendre or whatever, but it's actually he's an editor. Oh, um, did I, I write that he, wrong? I don't know if he edited this film, but the oh, cinematographer yeah. is actually Mario Bava, who actually ended up being a very prolific. I Italian thought that sounded weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I think yeah. maybe I just typed it out wrong. Actually, so it, so. Just, it was probably edited by edited by Mario Bava. Yeah, that's that's what I see here. So yeah. who was it shot by? So it was shot by Mario Bava and edited by Mario. Oh, Sarin, okay. Okay, so I just yeah. yeah, I mix up the yeah, names. No, it's all good. I thought Mario Bava was involved in there because yeah. <sighs> it's he claims that he was the one who um, decided on a, having a full beard for Hercules, mm-hmm. I guess, and having that look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's that sounds right. I thought I hopefully, forgot the name. Hopefully, we don't offend any of the people we just named out because <laughs> you know I can't, I can't if you're listening i am sorry <laughs> the only reason why i caught that was i was uh, i was excited to talk about mario bava yeah I, right his, his films are cool but yeah cool I'm glad you corrected that one <laughs> uh so basically it's kind of arguable that like Hercules was kind of like the most popular out of all these peplum films even though like a bunch were made or a bunch of other characters were also like main heroes in different films. So like around 40 or so Hercules movies were made during this time. Right. Uh, you know, give or take, it's probably a little bit more, maybe even closer to 50. Um, and it helped spawn a slew of other strong men, uh, strong muscled heroes, such as Atlas, Samson, Goliath, Ulysses, and Machiste. Uh, however, some of these characters had existed before, but, the Machiste. right yeah. we'll, we'll talk about him in Kabiria <laughs> and like like I said so they kind of exist before but Hercules kind of helped reboot those characters into like a newer like a new age peplum right uh, into a more modern context yeah modern for the time for sure sure uh, Clearly, these types of films did not shy away from the obvious sex appeal of their characters, both male and female. The men yep. all bulge at the biceps and are basically always half naked. <laughs> uh, you know, similarly, the women are dressed in fairly revealing and loose gowns. Uh, it's just very obvious melodrama and sex appeal. Right. Of, you know, trying to sell, trying to sell fast, trying to sell hard, basically. So dirty. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's, dirty. It, if if you don't get turned on by at least one of the characters in this movie, then <laughs> there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you could be asexual, I suppose, and just in, not. In which case, yeah, there there'd be something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, oh Jacob said that, God. so you know, I send the it. send the hate mail to Jacob. <laughs> yeah, at BTB Films podcast for me. Yeah. BTB Films Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Send, send me some hate mail. Bring yeah, it. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's also noteworthy that the filmmakers involved in this reboot of Hercules tried to distance themselves from the overly fantastic tales of the past. So this was, we slightly touched on this. Like, the films are based on the old stories of Hercules, but they're clearly not as fantastical as some of those stories. Like, uh, for the examples I wrote down is that like they reference certain elements like the Nemean lion and the Creighton bull, but in this film, instead of them being some like crazy unrealistic animal or some giant or like more humanoid animal, they're just animals. Like you know, like Hercules fights the bull, 
or the lion or whatever and like it's 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 just an animal you know it's not right. some like fantastical like beast minotaur right. or something yeah, you yeah. know uh, so they were trying to semi root things in reality and kind of more the fantasy elements kind of came in more with the superhuman strength you know and the, and the good what guy a, being what able a to just whip it go Honestly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bastards. Hmm, makes makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, see, so funny. So the film used the French widescreen process called dialyscope, which is yeah. essentially like the French version <laughs> of the anamorphic process. It's kind of similar to cinemascope that was around at the same time. Gross. <laughs> so much French hate, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> You're a nationalist. You're a nationalist. I am. Uh, Not an internationalist, that's for sure. Jacob is on a roll today. <laughs> it's funny because he ate too, so he's like not as like, you know. So, yeah, so now I'm like just full of hate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, did, you exactly. have, did you have meat or did you have vegetables? Just red meat. <laughs> just, <laughs> just red meat. I get this way. What does Ron Swanson say? He's like, vegetables are what my food eats. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't eat vegetables. <laughs> uh, so, But actually, I looked up these lenses for the, for the dialyscope process, and you can actually rent them even today. Oh, wow. And you can rent them for about $250 per lens per day. So this is not bad. You, I mean, anamorphic lenses cost like a fuck ton to, yeah, to rent. Right. And these are it's basically like that cheap French shit, you know? <laughs> I like how you're saying that and you're looking at me. <laughs> how do you know I'm looking at you? Because I can you just know? you just feel it. I can you just, can just feel, feel it. it. Yeah. yeah, I am looking at you though. <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that. Is it because I have a French last name? I think that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not even part. I'm not even, like. Well, I am part French, but I'm not like. Ugh. It's like I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm equally. I'm equally French, German. And uh, Spanish slash, slash Portuguese with a little teeny bit of Irish. So I'm like a mutt. Nice. So you're yeah. American. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm American. Good. <laughs> uh, let's not okay. even... Okay, Trump. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Politics 101. Hooray. <clears throat> um, so we can... What are we talking about? Yeah. Don't worry, I'll keep us on track. All right, keep us on track. Okay. Yeah, uh, so you can rent these lenses if you really want to try and go through the process. I have no idea what kind of camera you would need to hook up to that or that whole thing. Yeah, so that's like, totally on you. But with the lens um, adapter or some sort, that'd be interesting. I, they probably it might be harder to find a lens adapter. Than I think so. Yeah, find the lens exactly. That's funny. Um, so basically, we can thank MGM for bringing this film to the states and starting the American audience desire for Italian, excuse me, muscle man films. Oh my God! Excuse me. Uh, so Joseph Levine, who was kind of the head of MGM at the time, uh, heard about the film, went and watched it. He, I kind of read two differing accounts. One where it said he didn't necessarily like it, but he saw the mass appeal of it, and another account that said he liked it. So, I don't know. Either way, he brought the film over 
and sold it to the audience. And uh, from my understanding, he and basically MGM spent more money marketing it to Americans than they spent to actually make the film <laughs> itself and like what Italians actually thought of in terms of like the, ah. the marketing and the, the price to make the film. Like he spent more than the Italians did. Yeah, that's so, interesting. That, yeah. That's pretty unheard of from in the fifties. Yeah, you know, that's like that's something you'd see now, right? But they they didn't really do that as much back then, right? Right? Yeah, it's that's. I mean, because like the first time that I actually really thought that that kind of occurred was with the spaghetti westerns, right? You know what I mean? And that was a little bit later than this, about because that was like mid sixties when that started happening, but. So a good, you know, five or six years after this. But I was ex- I, I, when I was reading about it, I was surprised to hear that. Um, there was a term that's in that it's I, I can't remember exactly what it was. It's saturation. Yeah. Saturation booking or something like that or saturation, saturation. buying. Uh, that where, where they buy out everything at one time period. They basically yeah. buy a whole crap ton of it. Like in this case, yeah. they'd buy something like, you know, 600 film prints or something and prepare to kind of like launch them all at the same time and it said something yeah. like back in the day like that's that six that 600 was like an obscene amount yeah totally you know, just obscene i mean right. now nowadays it's that's not. nothing yeah yeah of, that's we, like what yeah. 600 because we have like the you know the big multiplexes and stuff now but back then i mean when i like, i guess you know that's it's a lot really yeah um, definitely especially like i mean theaters were fairly big but you know, finding theaters that would even want to carry it is one is another thing too. Yeah. You know, so it's definitely like a, a more of a gamble style. But I guess it's a style that of purchasing that kind of caught on. He kind of helped pioneer it. Uh, so thank I mean, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in thank in this guy for that shit. In basically doing that and marketing it the way he did. Uh, Hercules and its sequel, Hercules Unchained, became some of the highest grossing films in Italian film history. Basically thanks to MGM's MGM bringing it to Americans. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... Because yeah. I think when most people think of Hercules, they either think of like the old stories or they think of the Disney animated film. Right, right. right. Like you, A lot of people don't necessarily think about, know, or realize that there was like a slew of freaking Hercules movies for like decade, you know, a decade or so, right? You know, and they were super popular. Um, like I feel like people would go to like Conan the Barbarian as like their peplum, right? Hero, right. Exactly. Be before they'd go to uh, Hercules, exactly. And I, I would even bet that a lot of people would think that Hercules is based off of Conan. If you know, if they saw Conan and then saw Hercules, they'd have been like, "Wow, this is really similar." It's yeah. basically Conan. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and then Hercules actually kind of had a small reboot, or they tried to reboot it with The Rock, you know, a couple years ago, which obviously f- flopped super hard. <laughs> you know. Oh, there's also the the TV show too. Obviously. <laughs> All right. Buddy. Yeah. Well, they didn't do any sequels, so obviously no one thought that it had any potential. <laughs> you know. It's funny. I actually watched that movie. It was on TV or something. And I watched it, and like parts of it were actually okay. And then, but yeah, it just like it wasn't. It just wasn't uh, executed right. I, don't know. It just, I mean, it, it was PG thirteen. It it just wasn't. You know. It, it, yeah. I just feel like those type of movies. I mean, you kind of have to go for the R. I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think so like too. you know, you yeah. got you got creatures. You have like just you know, go go gnarly with it. You know. Not, yeah, it's don't... about like punching shit. You yeah. know, like how is it PG thirteen when it's about 
fucking punching. Yeah. You know I what guess, I mean? That's stupid. Cause, yeah, because, like, when you're trying to reboot, you're trying to hit the, the, the widest audience, right? I mean, I think Clash of the Titans is another one of those, like, Peplum reboots that they tried, right. and they did Wrath of the Titans, and it was like... Yes. Yeah, and that did okay. Moderately, yeah, it was moderately successful. It was kind of the yeah. first time that uh, it was when D box seats were really new, and they were trying to push D box and 3D at the same time. Yeah, because it was kind of like right after Avatar, the 3D yeah. thing had been had just kicked, kind of kicked off, and everybody kind of wanted to experience right. more of that. Yeah. It had the same actor, and it had you know it mm-hmm. uh, it was on that wave of you know Alice in Wonderland and stuff where people wanted to see the big budget. A lot of like CGI, 3D, 3D yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it kind of rode that wave, and you know, it's one of those movies that you know most people probably have just forgotten about. You know, totally. But what? great, great cast though in that first one. You know, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, Max yeah, Mikkelsen it was a good cast. Yeah. Like yeah. It, was, it was pretty sweet. Pretty cast. Good. What was his Sam? Uh, what was the guy's name? Sam something, right? And uh, Tim is that his name? Sam Worthington or something. Worthington. The main guy, and then yeah. yeah. And it's then the, yeah, yeah. the chick... God, I can't remember her name either. The it's, chick who uh, played the goddess. Uh, oh, my God. It's bad that I forgot. Wow. I can't remember her name either. She kind of... That was kind of like one of her bigger roles, too. I'll, I'll look it up. And then... Um, but I don't... What is the D-Box? You said the D-Box? Is that so like... So D-Box you know, seats. Seating. Yeah, it was... Uh, the idea was that... <clears throat> It's kind of like a ride almost where you'd sit in the seat and the seat would move forward, backwards, left and right and vibrate to the movie. Uh, and it basically ah. was all, that's all it was. Uh, I actually, I saw Clash of Titans in, I don't remember if it was 3D, but it was in the D-Box seats because I was just curious. And it, they didn't last very long because the tickets, you know, to get those particular seats, you had to pay like 5 to $10 more or something. And there was only a couple oh, in each theater, and you know I don't think I don't even think they're in any theaters anymore. I think they got phased out pretty quickly. The, oh. Are you thinking of Gemma Art? Gemma Arterton. Ar- there you go. Yeah, Arterton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, it has. I mean, like, yeah, Luke Evans, who you know was in Beauty and the Beast, Liam Cunningham, who you know is in uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, as Ray Fiennes, uh, Mass Mikkelsen. Had, to, had a big cast. Liam Neeson. You Liam, know. Yeah. I mean, it was a big budget film. They put a lot of effort in because they knew that they were going to try and use it to market 3D and D-Box. So, yeah, know. I mean, it has Nicholas uh, Holt in it or Holt. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, Wrath of the Titans, unfortunately, the second one, it, it wasn't, didn't compare. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have anyone special working on it, really. Yeah. I mean, besides some of the actors, I guess. But you know, it's just a kind of a generic film. What's interesting though is that when you think about Peplum films, like even modern ones, like you know, I was saying they're they're really generally bad, and it's just not a time where audiences <laughs> are interested in it. However, right. if you look at Peplum in TV, it's actually way more successful. Like Hercules was a really long running series. For a while, I think everyone, probably everyone, I can't think of the actor's name. I think it's, I thought it was Ken something, but you know his face, right? When you see Hercules and you see uh, Lucy Lawless as Xena, yeah, like you know those two as kind of the faces of that like Peplum TV series that they had for a while. Spartacus happened. I was gonna say Spartacus was my next example, and Spartacus was pretty popular for a while, and And then Lucy Lawless was in in that too. She was, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then unfortunately the main actor got cancer and died 
like after like two seasons so then they had yeah. to replace him and then it just they didn't i don't know the series kind of just went downhill um but also rome well, he was only in the one series right the one the first he was season. in the first two i think oh, okay i think because there was only two and then they did a prequel season and then they tried to reboot it right. with a new guy uh, but Rome, HBO's Rome, yeah. was a pretty long series for you know that was peplum, kind of like a peplum drama. Yeah, you know, like it, I it, think when it, it's it had drama like that, of that peplum. But then yeah. HBO kind of took it. We're like, okay, we're not going to make it like campy. We're going to try and make it real, right? More exactly. More. And like there wasn't like a bunch of like fantasy elements. Right. It was like you said, it was a drama. It was about the interpersonal things. And I yeah. think that's where peplum because. Well, in HBO's case, it allowed them to be more violent. But like what Jacob was saying, they're PG-13. But I think that's kind of why it worked for TV, because you're already expecting it. Especially like the Hercules series when it was like, was it late 90s, early 2000s or something, where TV was a little more censored. So like you're expecting it to be not as graphic. Yeah. You're you're more forgiving for... Yeah, stuff like that on TV because you know kids could be watching exactly you know, that, that it's like made for it. So. It's, like, exactly. it's like TV fourteen or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because like I think, I mean, honestly, the big game changer was three hundred. Like yeah. after that movie, that's when Spartacus. That's when like yeah. Rome had already yeah. been on air or whatever, and it might have actually just maybe had ended or was on its last season at that point. But that's what took, like, elements of Rome, like, the drama part of it and the cool story and stuff, and then elevated it to the action part back to kind of what Peplum used to be, but took it, kind of did, you know, it was, of course, based on the Frank Miller comic book, so it was, or graphic novel, so it was, had that stylization, but... um, they went back to that, like, extreme fantasy, too. Right, yeah, like, Zack Snyder just kind of, kind of amped up the action part that was missing like in Rome yeah. I mean there was some action right. but like amped it up and then it was so successful that then you had Spartacus that was kind of like a cheaper knock off on that style right, um, right. Um, and I think Sam Raimi was actually a producer uh, on the Spartacus show executive producer um, but yeah that show uh, had a pretty solid cast too it did yeah it did um, it was, it's, an, it's definitely an entertaining show um, yeah I, I enjoyed it but uh yeah, it's funny. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about 300, actually. It didn't even cross my mind. Fun fact about that movie, though, it was shot entirely inside. Yeah, yeah. In blue yeah. and green dope. screens, which is, dope. yeah. Pretty interesting, yeah. And yeah. it really, like, gives it a unique look. Extremely yeah. unique, yeah. Yeah, because Extre- yeah, they really, I feel like they really own it. Like, I feel like a lot of times when you're green screening, you're trying to hide things. Yeah. But it, yeah. They, they really, they, like, wear the... The, or I guess it was a blue screen in this movie, but they really like freaking just let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah, just totally. go for it. I actually and really really own the composite of it. I enjoyed the second one too quite a bit. I, I, really I haven't seen that it. one, but I'm a big fan of Ava Green's or Eva Green, so that that was that was part of it. You just like <laughs> you just like looking at her eyes. And, yeah, I, yeah, and, and her, <laughs> her other eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are down here, <laughs> but like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then I really liked Immortals, which was produced by some of the producers that did 300, but then directed by the guy, um, uh, Tarsum Singh, I think is his name, who did um, The Cell and uh, The Fountain. Um, so he I kinda, totally forgot that movie existed. Yeah, yeah me too. It's actually a really good movie. Like, it's the cinematography is amazing. It's, 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 it's not as, like, action-y as 300, but it has just really cool visuals, but definitely Tarsum's... Uh, 
style, it, not so much as Exciters. It it it, it has oh, more man. of a real look to it, even though it is right. stylized. It's not as stylized as Three Hundred. Um, but the slow I gotta motion, go watch this. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, yeah, it was Henry really Cavill, low key. Like, like it. it had a decent marketing campaign, and it was in you know the Regal AMC like theater chains and stuff. But yeah, it was just right. kind of like in and out. Because yeah, like I I I had uh, quite a few of my friends come over and watch it, and they're like, dude, like why didn't I see this in theaters? Or like why didn't I hear about this? Or like right. you know why why aren't more people talking about this movie? It's actually really good. They were all surprised by how good it was. I'm like, you guys have to see this movie. Like visually, it's amazing. You know, right? Uh, and Mickey Rourke is his best turn as a villain in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, I see his name on here. Yeah, yeah, um, I gotta watch this movie. You now. didn't like Mickey Rourke in Iron Man. <laughs> uh, I mean, like it was like, eh, you know. But this was—he plays his character way better in this movie. I think Immortals. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I gotta go watch this. I totally forgot this movie existed. And yeah, now that you're pretty... like hyping it up, I—I like, re- now... I, I honestly really enjoyed it. I love uh, the actress too. Um, she, this right. The chick from Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, it's just—I I don't know. I don't know. Isabel really cool. Lucas. No, oh, she's cool in it too. But um, no, it's Helen Lutz. Uh, that might be Frida Pinto. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, she's <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, she's cool. Well, it, it's it's kind of interesting because you're when when your friends were like, "Why didn't this movie do good?" And I feel like I feel like a lot of the times it's hard to say like when a movie will actually do well, right? You know, right. like even a good even good movies just like come and go, you know. Yeah, and and there's not, you know, it's a gamble. Cause it's, I don't, it's, it's funny because you know, I don't blow think on it, your dice. I don't even know if it did bad, you know. I, I think it just no. It was, did fine. I think people just kind of kind of shrugged it off, like oh, another three hundred or something, like oh, just a three hundred ripoff. But it really isn't, though. But they, well, isn't it part of the same it, universe? Because the Immortals, those are the guys in three hundred. Well, so but yeah, it's not though. So the Immortals, they're they're actually gods in this movie. So what makes this one different? Oh. What makes this one different from like the three hundred movies is that there's a supernatural element to it so hmm. so that like the immortals are actually like well there's there's gods in the movie they're characters right so with 300 you know it's all just humans so that's the only really difference but yeah different but they tried to they they really on the trailers and stuff they're like from the producers of 300 they really played with that they to tried to and, connect it right but they, it's really not at all and that's why i like it so much because it 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 has similarities because of the technology, right? But because it's a, it's newer than the first 300 by like I don't know three or four years, the technology was great. Like the was quite a leap forward. So it feels right. it feels more real. Um, like the sets and stuff were kind of more elaborate. And I think the director Tarsim Singh, if you've seen like the Fountain and stuff like that, uh, you'll know what I mean. He likes real yeah. locations, you know, really cool stuff. Right. So you get that sense with Immortals that you don't really get the sense of in 300. Which I like. The, I like the style of 300. Don't get me wrong. Is this different? So that's why I enjoyed it because I was right, right, right. I was half expecting to go into the movie and just be like, oh, it's going to be just like 300. But I was pleasantly surprised that he just kind of did his own little thing, but nodding to some of the stylistic flourishes that made 300 good too so right right yeah yeah that's cool yeah i like uh i like those i like his movies i haven't seen his latest one but yeah i I never saw um mirror mirror with uh 
what's his name? Uh, what's or his name? Uh, Julie. They uh, selfless just just came out and it, it, uh, selfless. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I never saw that. Oh my god, that was. That's with Dude, uh, I gotta Google it. I love how Ryan Reynolds. That's who's in it. I love how Mickey Rourke's name in this film is Hyperion. He's yeah, like King yeah, Hyperion because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the company's Hyperion yeah. creation. <laughs> I just I like I really like the name Hyperion. It's like a really small uh, mythological like being in in Greek mythos and stuff. Like he's like a son of a Titan or something or or no, he is a Titan. I think. As I was saying, it's so minuscule, but it's like cool yeah. how like it'll the name will pop yeah. up here and there. No, he and he's the way he says Hyperion in the movie is pretty cool. Yeah, his mask <laughs> looks super sick in yeah, the movie he's too. A, I kind of dig cool, it. It's a cool character in the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to say too is uh, the other films that were kind of because I feel like every couple of years there's always like some sort of. They, I mean, they don't call it Peplum, right, or Sword and Sandal. They call it fantasy adventure right. that pops up. But Troy was one, yeah. you know, I think that was kind of like trying to have a resurgence with like Brad Pitt as like the main person. Yeah, because that came like know? right after Return of the King, you know, yeah. like the Lord yeah. of the Rings fantasy yeah. thing was so big. And then, yeah. you know, you had Orlando Bloom in there to try yeah. to get that, you know, that same kind of feel. But it was like, we're going to go kind of the historical legend kind of look and not make it so fantasy, but make it, you know. Yeah, but Troy did really well. Troy was, I think, more successful. I think the way they had, you know, the, I mean, that had a pretty big cast too. And I think that's when Brad Pitt was like a rising. Yeah, that that more was of like a rising kinda, star. Yeah, it was at his peakest, like yeah. his peak yeah. of like, um, yeah. I, you know, I like Troy. I, but I didn't like the theatrical cut. I like the, uh, the director's cut. It's like again, like maybe an hour and a half longer. But I, <laughs> I yeah. like, I like it. <laughs> it's like a three-hour movie, but but so th- it's, it's I think important to talk about too the fact that like you know especially nowadays the fact that it gets uh, uh, peplum gets shoved into the fantasy adventure genre. There is a distinction between like peplum and like lord of the rings or medieval films i'm just looking at kingdom of heaven too because i was kind of oh, trying to figure out where that was at you know like like that's an epic historical drama is a, or at least what they call that um and it's kind of along those lines but it's not peplum right it's still different genre even though they're kind of similar so it's like it's right. kind of an interesting line too the, the peplum genre walks and then where it stops and where you can push into more like just medieval type like another stuff. right that's i kind of i kind of see peplum as like they're almost like a superhero you know like it's yeah like they can't really exist in reality you know yeah um and usually it involves one character who's who's like that it's funny like there's like you know uh oliver stone did that film alexander with colin farrell that's the other one i was thinking of yeah so like that movie again i love that movie i've seen all the versions i think the 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 final cut or whatever the the really long version um again it's like i want to say it's over three hours i might be yeah, it might be like closer to four hours. Gross, but it's, it's it's awesome because it it's like it must be the French in you that likes that. No, I love long movies like that because <laughs> because like it's it's um it reminds me of the old days where they make big epic 
films right. long, like that. You like know, long, huge like, movies. Yeah, like yeah. Cleopatra and Ben Hur and yeah. you know stuff like that. Like I like those type of movies, so it kind of works, and that's why I like Troy because both of those movies in their director's cut versions, you know, are, are these long kind of epics, and you right. It's like these big, you know, lavish sets and cool battle sequences, and you know, just kind of. Just cool things, you know. I don't know. It, yeah, they're just kind of classic. Yeah, or um, like like the classics sort of a thing. And it's funny because like like, yeah, like Kingdom of Heaven is more of the historical medieval um, thing, but it's definitely related because you have like films uh, that came out, you know, like the Lancelot films and the King Arthur films that came oh, yeah, out yep. in the same time as these Peplum films that were super successful. Um, right. That were, you know, were were absolutely huge. You know, had all the Robin Hood movies that were coming out. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that too. Swashbucklers kind of pushed into that right. like area as well, even though it's not Peplum. It's, yeah, so. it's like it's kind of it, they're all related. Now they just call them adventure movies, exactly, or action adventure movies. Yeah, but which is a broader right thing. So I like I like yeah. how we're talking about these more kind of more specific genres because this is something too that I find interesting because a lot of people just kind of consider when they talk about movies, these films in these broad terms. Yeah. Like, oh, I watched right. this action movie. It was really cool, you know, and it was right. these Vikings, and they were doing this, and, and, and they were, like, you know, it's like, but that's, like, yeah, it's an action movie, but that's, like, a Viking action fantasy, you know? That's right. not, that's not you know, James Bond. That's an action movie, you know? Like, right. You know? Like, yeah. there's, right. It, so it's kind of cool, and Peplum has its unique <laughs> feel to it. But, like, so what about, what do you guys think about, like, Jason and the Argonauts? I've never seen it. Oh, I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, it's it's good, but that's kind of peplum, right? Because it, you know, it's is that the Harry Housens thing? Yeah, is that what yeah, he did? yeah. I mean, it's definitely sword and sandal. You know, he's wa- walking around and you know, not a lot of clothing, and uh, you know, he's fighting. That, does off. he wear the peplum like cloth the the cloth the costume? Yeah, yeah pretty totally. Much. Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The skirt, because that's what yeah. that's what peplum. Even today, like there's women's skirts that they call peplums. And they're just like a, it's like a skirt attached to a blouse or something. Yeah, it's funny because like when I was younger, I mean, like I've already said, like I kind of grew up with all the films from you know thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. So my grandpa taped me like you know Sinbad and the uh, Voyage right. of whatever. So like I Voyage of Time. It might be Voyage of I forget. And then there's one, there's one that's like Sinbad or Jason or something in the Golden Fleece. That was actually mm-hmm. one of the ones that was made. And they were all oh. by Harry Housen Housens. guy. Uh, Ray, Ray Harry Housen. Ray Harry Housen. And uh, so I get them all kind of mixed up in my head now because it's been so long since I've seen those. But those are all really kind of cool peplum films. But they're definitely towards that more fantasy uh, uh, Greek legend type of feel to it. Not so much like Hercules. I mean, Hercules is a part of that. But this particular Hercules that we're talking about, not so much because they try to make it more realistic, like you said. Um, right, but these ones fully embrace. It's like the... a, yeah, it's like a bodybuilder. Like Peplum requires the bodybuilder. Yeah, I think I can't. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Jason like and the Argonauts, macho, but yeah. I mean, generally speaking, they are more buff. Even if like I think in Jason, they're more covered. Yeah, he's not as like big and bulky yeah. and, and 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 like huge. But right, and even Spartacus, he was only half. I think his his tunic or whatever was like a half cover or whatever and i mean those are all i think technically peplum you know like i said these films were designed to compete with that and hollywood was making it 
Um, but I think Peplum specifically, if you were to look it up, tends to push more towards Italian-made films. But yeah, like I think sense, all yeah. of these films yeah. are pretty pretty wrapped up in it. And I think Peplum specifically is important to talk about because that is what eventually the Spaghetti Western was born out of. Besides, right. besides American Westerns and stuff, too, that were happening beforehand, you know, obviously, like, Stagecoach, stuff like that was happening w- way early on. But, like, this genre of Peplum helped define the newer genre of the Spaghetti Western. Yeah. So, like... Right, right. There is an important distinction to be made, I think, with this genre. Oh, Spartacus is so good. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen Spartacus, you gotta watch it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those classic movies you know it's kubrick's like kind of most commercially made film yeah and it was like the one that kind of got him really on the map with with companies you know with actual film producers because he actually uh the the original director was let go and he had to come in so there's (laughs) there's like one sequence or two sequences that he actually technically didn't film in that movie but everything else is pretty much all Kubrick. But yeah, so he kind of let his talent really shine through yeah. Spartacus, and then he was able to do you know and become the director we've we've all we all know now. Right. But, and yes. I, I I feel like everyone knows that quote, you know, from Spartacus, where it's like I am Spart, and they all go around saying I am Spartacus. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh I feel yeah, like everyone totally. knows that. Yeah, and that's that's what that it's from that movie. It's from Spartacus. That scene's been parodied so many times. So many times. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Classic. Yeah, so moving us along here, our second film is uh, Kabiria, made in 1914. Basic plot summary based off of IMDb. They didn't really have a great one. This one was kind of self-made by a user, Um, and it's a little long. But basically, it follows a melodramatic main plot about an abducted little girl, Kabiria, and features an eruption of Mount Etna, heinous religious rituals in Carthage, the alpine trek of Hannibal, Archimedes' defeat of the Roman fleet at the siege of Syracuse, and Scipio, I think it's Scipio, uh, maneuvering in North Africa. So Scipio is the German, or German, the Roman consul in general, um, maneuvering into uh, North Africa. So the film was written by Gabriel de Annunzio uh, and Giovanni Pastrone or Pastrone. Giovanni Pastrone. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're just waiting for that one. Here, <laughs> 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 you should just say the rest of them. Just you can do a, a, a very it. offensive Italian <laughs> yeah. accent. He, he's got like that one eighth Italian in him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have no Italian. I have no Italian. You could say it like uh, they say it in Inglorious Bar- uh, Bastards. Margarete. Yeah. Margarete. Yeah. Let it sing. Antonio Let it ring. Yeah. Let's hear Let's hear the whatever he's saying. Yeah, what say? you, you just have to make the, the, the hand the movement. Hand. It's automatic. Yeah. You got it right. Get the hand in there. <laughs> oh, man. Make uh, Byron do it. I want to I I see him. Oh, my God. You try. You should do it. Yeah, have him do it. Just do the it, it was produced. Okay, it was produced and directed by Pastrone and stars <laughs> Carolina Catina, Lydia Corante, Umberto Mazzato, Bartolomeo Pagano, Raffaella Di Napoli, Eduardo Davini. <laughs> and Give me this, more hand. This, this Give one, more hand this, in there. This one is like really big. 
Italia Almirante. I can't even do it. Italia Almirante Manzini. That's actually it helps. It totally helps. <laughs> it, it works. That's insane. It rolls off. Rolls off. Oh man. my god. <laughs> That's that wow. totally. You guys gotta try it. Wow, that's insane. You gotta say that last one, Keith. Italia, with the hand. Do it yeah, with the with, hand. You have to do it with the hand. Italia, Amarante, Manzini. See, it, doesn't it work? Yeah, because well, yeah, you kind of have to stop to like say it, yeah. right? Like, it sounded yeah. Italian. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, Jacob, your turn. That was actually pretty fun. Oh God. Okay, all I got is the. Um, okay, I'll say who it's starring. But, fuck. <laughs> Bartolomeo Oh fuck Bartolomeo Yeah Bartolomeo Pagano <laughs> Yeah It's kind of good It's fun Not bad <laughs> Oh god Hey wow. what uh What version of this movie Did you guys watch Did, did you watch the original Or the uh The shortest one like me <laughs> Well, the original was the short one, I think, but there was no a, the ri- the original is two hundred minutes. No, that I didn't was realize there was two versions. If you look at there's four. There's okay. Oh. So if you go to YouTube, which is where I watched it, and you and you look at Kabiria, the full nineteen fourteen version, there's a bunch of title cards at the beginning that explain that there was like this version was made out of the original truncated version. So yep. if you watch the shorter version, it, that's actually the original. Um, and then they kind of piece together the remaining footage to make, excuse me, the one we see today, or the one I watched. The one I watched, right. I just rented a, two bucks on, like, Amazon. and it How was, long was it? Uh, 129 minutes, I think. Oh, that's two how hours. I watched Hercules. I rented it. That, I think. Two, yeah, oh, that, was the, that was the 1990 restoration, but there was a 2006 restoration. Oh, I watched um, the 1990 restoration. That yeah, is what. 190 minutes. No, and I didn't the, watch the, that one. The original is two hundred minutes, so I'm sure. Whoa. I think I think the latest restoration would have been the one to watch, but I watched the uh, well, 1990 from, restoration. From my understanding, when it came to America, American the American version was an extremely truncated version, so I don't think it was uh, two so this hours. This is the American version of it. Oh, well, the two hour version is like restoring it back to like I guess the Italian glory so maybe it is more the original I don't well, know we all saw the same version then right I, don't, yeah, I watched I the two did. hour version I don't yeah know. I saw the yeah, two we hour all, we all watched okay, the same okay. one yeah um, cause there's the 1937 version which is almost like a remake uh, oh they, they, there was a remake of it yeah Cause yeah. I, and I know that uh, Fellini did a movie with Kabiria in the title. Night, it's like Night, Night of, of Kabiria, Kabiria which is yeah. a, a uh-huh. reference and homage to Kabiria. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because Nerd. Kabiria itself... Because <laughs> Kabiria <laughs> itself like, is a crazy influential movie that like no one has heard about like ever. Which is kind of sad. Unless you're like Scorsese right. and you just watch yeah, every Scorsese. fucking you know, I heard early that it movie was, ever. Like, the, the, it's the earliest film... <laughs> Made that is in Roger Ebert's like best yes. films of all time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. His, uh, the earliest film and his greatest films of all time. Uh, and he speaks, you know, obviously it's his greatest films of all time. So he speaks very, very highly of it. Uh, and actually, it's interesting, like how highly filmmakers speak of this movie, but how like essentially unknown it is. Oh, we didn't even go through all the <laughs> we didn't even go through all the credits yet either. Oh, yeah. uh, but basically, all the people that Byron named off, and then many, 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 <laughs> many, many, many more people were part of right. this film because there were you know 
bunch thousands. of like there were thousands of like extras but there was also like there were a lot of characters in this movie I'm gonna have to watch it again honestly totally I, I, got, I got totally I, I honestly I got, lost. got lost for sure I got me lost. too no, sure. it was, it's like watching Game of Thrones without the dialogue like yep. I was like how am I supposed to keep track yeah, of all I seriously people? like I was like that person looks like that person like I, yep. I got lost I mean it was cool though like just aesthetic it was neat it really cool oh yeah, yeah. the sets I, were yeah. Uh, insane yeah, yeah. insane yeah. sets Right, um, and the stacking when they're like stacking up on the thing. Yeah, was that was crazy. Sick, dude. Yeah, that was sick. And you got to think this is 1914. So besides like models they and stuff, they were doing, doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Nuts. Um, so yeah. Uh, see, according to, according to IMDb, the film had six cinematographers. Wow. Now, I didn't look at the end credits, and I usually don't when I do these. I kind of just look look it up later um so i don't know whether or not they were actually listed as six cinematographers but according to imdb db uh do you want to say it again <laughs> oh the names? no it's all good come yeah, on man get the hand out do it okay oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god that's a tough one. Oh my god uh, go for it gusto battagliati i don't even know that one's tough battagliati uh battagliati i think yeah oh my god i can't even say that one <laughs> Augusto ba- Battagliati. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I could, I, uh, Eugenio Bava, Natalie Chiusano, Segundo, <laughs> Segundo de Chamon, Carlo Franker, and Giovanni Tomitis. I don't even know. <laughs> right. Tomitis. Tomo- <laughs> I think Tomatis or something. Yeah, Giovanni Tomatis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty oh, good, man. pretty that's, good. That's too fun. Six, <laughs> six out of five, for sure. <laughs> My favorite is Italia Amarante. Oh, God damn it. Italia Amarante Manzini. That's, yeah. I love Manzini. Manzini. That's, that sounds like, yeah. it just sounds like uh, mafioso, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Manzini, yes. <laughs> Which is funny that her name is Italia, but yeah. she was listed she as Italia, been, so. She been hot. <laughs> Probably. She, they named the country after her, so she better be. <laughs> a boot? A boot? Because <laughs> it doesn't... Yeah, the, like, the, you know, the Italian or Italy kind of isn't supposed to be in the shape of a boot, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the boot. oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, this is my daughter, the boot. Full <laughs> <laughs> name her Italia. She's a twin. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, so this film was the debut of the character Machiste, uh, who was played by... <laughs> it's a fucking stupid joke. <laughs> Uh, I can tell because you guys didn't laugh, laugh at it. I almost, I almost just like spat all my soda out of my mouth. It's the lamest joke ever. <laughs> Which one? This is coming from Jacob. The, the boot joke. <laughs> like, oh, at first, uh, this I, is well, my daughter, the boot, and she like, has a twin. <laughs> oh my god, so this stupid. guy. This guy. <laughs> You're one to judge with your with the jokes, right? Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. It's dad. my own joke. Like you know, I can I can say that about my own joke. Yeah, what's up with that, Dad? <laughs> dad had a job interview today, so Dad's been drinking oh all day. Oh my god, Dad's been drinking during the interview. <clears throat> Okay, so yeah, this was the film debut of the character Machiste, uh, who was played by Bartolomeo Bartolomeo. Uh, was it? Uh, Bartolomeo Pagano, who was a pretty big actor. 
at the time went on to play Machiste in quite a few films um, and was kind of known as a big, he was just a big buff guy. It's kind of how he was casted. Um, and he was in blackface, which I think is fairly obvious uh, with the way he looked. There was a couple of blackface characters in this movie. Um, uh, Massa Nissa or whatever that guy's name was. He was kind of one of the more main generals, I think, in the army. He was uh, in blackface, and then obviously Machista was blackface. Uh, so there was a couple. Uh, and, you know, 1914, obvious, you know, it's... If you think about that historical time, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess obviously they're going to blackface because they're not going to want a big act, big, a black actor play a big actor or a big part in their film. You know what I mean? Just kind of the nature of the time, I guess. And I'm not saying that's yeah. okay. I'm just saying, you know, historically, that's what yeah, it was. Historically, right. it's kind of an interesting spot. Yeah. I mean, because like even, you know, only about 45 years prior was when slavery was abolished in the yeah. states you know yep. it's crazy right. in someone's lifetime you know exactly <laughs> like the director could have been you know if he was 50 he was five years old when slavery was abolished i mean that's kind of crazy yeah that's a trip yeah um so this film is credited with quite a few things uh so uh it's basically at least according to like scorsese and a couple other like film scholars they say basically this film kind of invented the epic it actually came before Intolerance, uh, which is kind of the epic, I think, that most people think of when it's this early on. Is that by the same director? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Intolerance was uh, Griffith. Oh, Griffith. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, yeah. So this film was kind of like the original epic. Um, it also was the first film to use the Dolly track shot. Yeah. Which is super bizarre for this time period because <laughs> the cameras were not convenient to move at all. Um, and the track shots in this movie were essentially pointless. They were just kind of happening. And they just happened. It's <laughs> like, for some reason, he just wanted they he, the novelty of it, so they just added it into the film. Right. Um, it, was almost, it was almost gimmicky. You know? it, was it was totally almost gimmicky. Like, we're just going to add this in because it looks fucking cool. Totally. And it's new. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and for a long time, this film was credited as the very first feature. This, along with uh, another Griffith film, I can't remember the, the title of it off the top of my head. But there, uh, his film, Griffith's film, came out at the same year as this one. So they're both kind of credited as, like, the first feature. However, um, was it Birth of a Nation? No. Um, actually, so... That came out later, right? Uh, oh, that was the year after. Yeah. I'm looking at... Well, yeah, I have it listed, but you can find Judith of Bethulia. No, at least not the one that I have. All right, I give up. So (laughs) the Australian film, the story of the Kelly gang made in 1906 was about 60 minutes long. And more recently, that one kind of resurfaced again, I guess. And that one is now credited as like the first feature length film. Um, Oh, yeah. So, Australia beat everyone to it. That's bizarre. Yeah. How often does Australia pop up yeah. in film history? Just leave it to the criminals from England that left. And- <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, that's. I think that's pretty cool. You know, I think for a while people were wrong. Just in film history kind of gets changed because, like, a lot of films got lost. You know, like, uh, recently I was reading about 
Sherlock films, silent films that were right. uh, basically found and kind of pieced together with what little bit they have. I think a lot of the films were destroyed. And they're like the earliest Sherlock films, wow. you know, yeah. and people just didn't know about them. So, like, how many Because they were gone. They were gone yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And then, like, how many films are just like that where they're just destroyed yeah, or they're buried or they're gone or whatever happens, you know, because film is like it is a something that deteriorates into grades. So it has a lifetime, you know, like and right. and early film was super flammable. So, like, it's super easy to just lose film. Like, what what do we not know about that's could be 1905 or 1904 feature length film I mean, or yeah, something you know like, like right yeah there's a ton of different ones it's crazy because like i mean even you know fritz long's uh fritz lang's uh metropolis right there was whole sections of that movie that were missing for yep. years and years and years and years people thought like oh it's gone like we'll never find anything and then you know just it, it wasn't maybe seven or eight years ago they found like 20 minutes of footage that had never mm-hmm. before been seen since yep. the the premiere right. of I metropolis in argentina you know they found it in some film library in the back of this old theater thing and they, trip, they did it and then you know of course you, you know i i had to buy that blu-ray that it, that's phenomenal they did such a mm-hmm. cool job uh right with that restoration even though those particular parts some of them are so bad that it's still so grainy and beat up yeah. um just certain parts of it but everything else is so like it looks so well done almost like it was filmed today just in black and white you know that's so um, awesome yeah it's, do it's, you guys know the most recent lost film can you guess oh what man. it is no. i don't think you guys will, i don't think will so guess it. Yeah, i don't know okay well there's two and they were both in the 70s one is called him and it's a pornographic film about the life of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was previously believed to be fantastic, fake, made up. Um, but then somehow they confirmed that it was actually a film, but they still haven't seen it. And then the other one is from 1972, and it's called Nobody Ordered Love. And all the, all the prints for, of the movie were destroyed upon the director's death. Because uh, the, the director died. And his wish was, if he died during the making of the movie, that everything would be destroyed. Um, so it all got destroyed. What a wow. douche. What a douche. It's <laughs> crazy. Just let it live on, man. Like, Let it live really? on. You just had to Let someone else it finish it. Yeah. yeah, or something, yeah. That's what, yeah, isn't that what, uh, that's what happened with Kubrick, with AI, because that was supposed to be his movie. Oh, no, 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 no. What was the Tom Cruise movie that... Eyes wide shut. Yeah, like someone someone else came in and finished that movie. Well, yeah, was he was all, mostly it done was all with shot, it. and he had started editing. Um, right, the actual final cut didn't actually. It wasn't Kubrick never. Someone else it. did it, but he they yeah. followed all of his notes and everything like right. That, so but then AI was written by Kubrick, and that was gonna be Kubrick's next film. And then Spielberg yeah. came in and was like. I got you, motherfucker. But then again, they changed. They changed it a whole bunch, though. They changed a yeah, bunch, yeah. yeah. Of course, and it has did. it has that Spielberg score. And it's kind of a weird movie yeah. to watch when Q- you know that back history because you can feel the Kubrick in the background, and you could feel the Spielberg like in yeah. the movie too. So it's like this weird mix. It's but really Kubrick's odd. not even like credited in the movie at all. You know, they completely they didn't give him a writer. No. Yeah. Huh. It's like he's not. He's not. Yeah, he's not really. I mean, like, you can feel him, like you said, but he's not in the movie, you know? Oh, weird. Seriously, Spielberg would be, like, the last person I would ever pick to, like, come in to 
work on a Kubrick movie. I, I, I think you know? Spielberg agrees with that too because really, he's like he's always wanted to be more artistic than than he is. I really want to say though, from what I've read, that Kubrick was initially wanted to do it, but then he passed on it and said, "It's all yours." Like I, that's what I've read. I've read that it wasn't actually going to actually ever be oh. an official Kubrick film. I think he had an idea about it. He wanted to do it for a while, but he eventually passed on it. That's what I've read. But I, I mean, I that could I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So that's just from what I took um, from the biographies and stuff that I've read dealing with Kubrick in that film. But oh, I, weird. I, I, don't, I don't know. Just hearing that makes me so sad. Like. The fact that he only made basically 12 films and, like, how much more he, like, I wish he could have done. Like, I know he took a lot of time between films to make those films, but, like, God, if he would have lived, like, 10 more years, like, the things he could have done. Like, it just depresses me knowing that there could have been so much more. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, that huge time between Full Metal Jacket and And Eyes Wide Shut. Shut. It's a huge amount of time. Well, between Full Metal Jacket and The Shining, even, too. Because I think Full Metal Jacket was, like, 87 or something, yeah, right? Yeah, a good seven years, because yeah. he filmed uh, The Shining, what, in 1979, 1980? Yeah. He came out in 80, I mean, Space Odyssey took, like, four or five years. Yeah. Actually, it was longer, because Spartacus was this one right before that. And uh, Space Odyssey was, like, 68. So, that's like, I don't know, I wish... Yeah, I, I just wish he would have been a little more prolific yeah. just to see, you know. And also, yeah, I, to I see what he'd do. Exactly. Yeah. And I still want to hear his opinion. Like, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I would love to have heard, heard his opinion about modern technology, too. Um, oh, I know, yeah. With digital, but, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because he, well, he was such a. Um, he loved technology. Right. And, and he, I, I mentioned when we. obsessed with all that stuff. I can't remember. It was like. I think it was like in three or four, episode three or four, like. Kind of, I found that out where a guy who was close to Kubrick basically said that yeah, Kubrick was like itching for digital, yeah. and probably would have just switched over to yeah. it because it just made everything like way easier. Because he because he was a tech guy, like yeah. he would, and a part of it was he would just spend, like I guess from like accounts of people that were on set on his films, like he knew how to do the lighting, he knew how to do the audio, he knew how to do the camera, he knew how to do every aspect of his film if he wanted to if he had the means to actually do everything he would have because he was such he was so in control and he had his vision was so complete that um and again i think that's why he took forever to make his movies exactly he wanted right. to make sure that every single aspect of it was how right. he wanted it like uh, if, if he could clone himself he would have done that just <laughs> yeah at, he would have done yeah, everything yeah. a team of kubrick we could do a movie about including that. the pas dude yeah. that'd be crazy we could do like a meta like fucking alternate like film where like Kubrick is like the main protagonist and it's like set in the future and he's cloned himself and he's making right these movies. <laughs> he's like dealing with like Daniel Day right. Lewis and all these people. that'd be like legit dude that'd be a, like this weird we like, could have an all star cast because it'd be meta like yeah yeah oh we're gonna be an actor but you're gonna be acting as an actor yeah, yeah. it'd be cool like it'd be like just have like this alternate universe type thing well Danny Day Lewis is playing someone right you know some other name or something that'd be cool yeah for that'd be sure interesting. and I thought well, I'm, I'm reading about the AI movie and it sounds like he developed a lot of the movie in the uh, before, before his death he was really heavily in the development stage of it and then when Spielberg after he died uh, Spielberg kind of took the project over and kind of moved back to the original 
uh, treatment for the screenplay and went from there. So oh, it kind of okay. like backtracked all the way. Um, I bet you Kubrick's a- version was way more existential. Oh, God. I bet it would have been crazy and fucking epic. Yeah. It would have been like... It would have probably been like more of like like a, a space uh, a space odyssey. I'm sure yeah. you know more. Yeah, like combining those, those like scripts. The scripts are out there somewhere. Fuck oh, man, I bet cool. someone I mean, has them. Shit, dude, I bet it would have been like eyes wide shut combined with yeah space odyssey. You yeah. know, right? Like, to something epic. Oh, Just I wanted to add dope, this real dude. quick too. I know like what you were saying about Kubrick's knowledge of everything too. There's a funny account where I guess he had to send some lenses back to like the manufacturer to get fixed, and he was basically like in being a tech nerd type of guy i guess he like was known for like just completely dismantling lenses just to see what the inside was how they worked <laughs> and uh, the manufacturer oh. <laughs> like when he kubrick was talking to him the manufacturer like was impressed but also like annoyed because kubrick basically yeah. knew more about the lenses and their how they were worked <laughs> and how they were designed than the manufacturer so like you know just being that knowledgeable <laughs> you know so it's it's yeah Kubrick is a fucking trip dude total trip yeah um what a weirdo yeah (laughs) I would have loved to I wonder if he like is this the thing too is like a movie like Kiberia and those older films you know he was watching old films you know I've heard accounts of him like you know talking about the the greatest films ever some ones that were made in the teens and the 20s and stuff like like that the films that so, like, for us, when you watch a 70s film, that's, like, him watching this film. Right, yeah. You know, exactly. like, it's, it's the same time Yeah, it's, like, right there. Much. Yeah. And so, I could, you could name a ton of 70s movies. Like, we could name a ton of 70s movies that oh God, we've 70s. seen that we, like, respect. Oh, right. Hella, could, oh, you know? Right. Fucking Chinatown, no, dude. Dude, like, Chinatown, a ton of them. Straw Dogs, uh, Bad Timing. And you uh, know those directors, oh, yeah. like, all watched these types of films and were influenced by them too oh, the yeah, ones in the yeah, 70s yeah. you know oh exactly yeah. so yeah. I, yeah. I would have loved to hear to hear Kubrick's specifically opinion on like this film um, yeah. because this film was actually the inspiration to D.W. Griffith's use of the dolly track in Intolerance because Intolerance came two years after yeah. and yep. uh, from my understanding basically uh, so so basically what he did was that he took Pastrone's idea of subtle movement and pushed it to an extreme and did a way more dollying way more tracking right um, more deliberate uh kind of almost more showy yeah you know? exactly yeah exactly um so basically it's claimed that griffith decided to make intolerance because he was so overwhelmed and influenced by the strength of kabiria he was working yeah. on a film called uh the mother and the law that's what it's called and he basically turned that into intolerance because he needed to do something like Kabiria. Uh, it struck him <laughs> Fuck so it, I'm hard. I'm changing my idea. I'm going to make the intolerance. <laughs> he, ex- he lived in a time, dude, yeah. where the director was... I mean, the producers were kings, yeah. but the director had so much say about, yeah. like, I want to make this movie, and everyone would be like, okay, we know you, you know you're you Griffith, and you're going to make the yeah. best movie ever, so just right. make it. Here's a bunch of money. It's, it's still kind of like that with a lot of directors, especially yeah. powerful directors. You know, they kind of run the show. Chris Miller know? and Phil Lord. And- <laughs> <laughs> 
hearing, hearing re-listening to that episode was phenomenal. I, I have nothing to say about the phenomenal, matter. dude. <laughs> oh god, I still. Uh, <laughs> I just had to. I, I just. I, I. I just had to like. I, add that I'm, in there. I'm still upset. This is our That's, TMZ moment. I, I cried that night. You know I did. I, 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 I was to, like Chris and Phil. I need to. I need, I'm so sorry. I need to uh, re-listen, or I need to listen to that episode. You should, because you sound like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time in my life, yes. Dude, you did it. Oh, you did it. Man. The podcast did it. No, but do, I, that, do, I, really, that do that I really sound like Gump. an asshole in it? No, no, dude, this is definitely a pot <laughs> calling the kettle black situation here. Oh, yeah. hey. so don't worry about it. Hey. Uh, hey. I, I, he's, uh, Jacob's rubbing off on me, literally. Uh, yeah, I think so. All my hate. All my red meat All is your, rubbing off yeah, on this Frenchie over here. <laughs> Shut up. I'm, 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 e- I'm busy eating my frog legs. <laughs> or snake. Nails. Yes, nails. My S cargo. My S cargo and frog legs uh. combo. <laughs> Dipped in ice cream. Drinking my my uh, rosé. Yeah. Your rosé. Your pinot. <laughs> yeah, my pinot. Yeah. Uh. You don't like wine? No, <laughs> he drinks red wine. I've seen I don't him like drink French. Wine. <laughs> <laughs> I only drink American wines. <laughs> I was like, yeah, American grapes. French oak would be okay if they were barreled in it. But, I, you know, I oh, prefer man. American oak. You're missing out, man. You're missing out. I'm not. I'm really not. Sound like a douche. <laughs> Sound like a wine douche. Okay. <laughs> An American wine hipster. <laughs> It's yeah. like proven that it doesn't make a fucking difference. Right. All wine I, basically tastes the same. Yeah, I prefer my champagne from America. <laughs> oh. True champagne is from America. Oh my Everyone knows that. god! Cristal. Get Only about the cristal. Get out. <laughs> oh man. So speaking of Fritz Lang's Metropolis, like Byron mentioned, uh, the Moloch sequence in Kiberia was actually influential to Fritz Lang's Metropolis and Michael Curtis's Noah's Ark. And then, like we mentioned earlier, Fellini named one of his films after Kiberia, The Night of Kiberia, uh, because these directors were just so blown away by what these guys did. Um, and I think, you know, like stuff like Intolerance and, like, the early teen films, like, you can just see, like, they framed it almost exactly the same way. You yeah, know, like, gosh. it's just the same, basically. Uh, so, also tying us back to our O'Tour episode, if you look on the poster uh, for Kabiria, Gabriel de Annunzio or Annunzio, get is, the handout. <laughs> Annunzio <laughs> is credited as the O'Tour. It actually says from the O'Tour, Annunzio de Annunzio. Um, right. Even though. It turns out he's credited as a writer, but his actual writing contributions were fairly minimal. Um, you know, I, I, it's weird because I've kind of heard a couple of different accounts too, where on one account, basically, it was given to him to write, uh, and then he was kind of dilly dallying. So Pastrone flew to Italy and basically was like, you know, let's get moving. Like, what can we do? And then I guess his patience kind of wore out, so he basically just took the the right the film back, the script back, and did it himself. So he was kind of like the initial author yeah. in a way, but then completely right. kind of rewrote it right. later. And I guess he's mainly credited with what we see in the film. Uh, he did the inner titles, I guess. Oh, okay. And so that's why they're a little more poetic. 
uh, because De Annunzio was actually a, a, a he was like a like a novelist, essayist, like wrote in literature. He was a political yeah. writer. He um, he was pretty prolific and yeah and popular. Yeah, he was very well yeah. known, which is why they put plastered his name on there as the yeah. quote auteur. Uh, you know, to try and sell the film and those title cards. I mean, they're they're very they're written very differently than oh, a, definitely a, like any title card I've ever seen. Very like, poetic, yeah, yeah. Like, it's very different. Yep, yeah. But yep. It, it fit with the whole, I guess, peplum. My, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, feeling right. of the film, which mm-hmm. is kind of yep. cool. Because <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like early stories that these are based off of like Hercules and stuff are all just epic poems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so having that poetic language and feel for intertitles just, like you said, makes sense. Yeah, um, it was an easy transition to like get there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, Kiberia actually has its own controversy as well and this is where I found kind of a little bit of conflicting uh, accounts because like I said, you know, his writing contributions were minimal but also people when they talk about film theory and um like uh uh, the- uh just like ideas and stuff for the film like they always reference de annunzio's influence on it so basically the controversy kind of surrounding this is due to it's like fairly overt political subject matter so the film was written and and made um by italian nationalists and uh, irredentists so basically what that means is uh irredentist is essentially like people who are n- mostly nationalists believe that kind of like a territory was taken from them and that territory was mainly of their nationality so they deserve that back it's kind of like how like the Pal- you know Palestinians view Israel yeah. basically they want their irredentist with their uh yeah that's interesting like, yeah like, like yeah like super like, yeah ultra Ultra. Very nationalist. Like, that yeah. whole kind of area of the world is like... Well, I mean, America's super nationalist, too. So True. Don't, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, but yeah, that area is, like, very nationalist. Right. And, and, and this land is our holy land, for sure. Yeah. It seemed like Russian and Georgia and Ukraine, uh, you mm-hmm. know, all the... the yeah. The, you know, exactly. Serbia, all, all those conflicts kind of deal with the same type of nationalism, I guess. <laughs> nationalism and irredentism yeah. is very much at the root of a lot of conflict. And... D'Annunzio was actually known, well-known, because he led <clears throat> thousands of people in trying to take back... Okay, so I, I kind of touched on the history and didn't go too deep into it, so I could be wrong about this. I think it was Fume, the area the area of Fume, I think, or, or there was some area that was that was taken, and basically D'Annunzio was writing and, and speaking, saying basically, like, we need to take it back, and then they did occupy an area... Wow. trying to hold it they occupied it for like a year or something <laughs> or a couple of years and actually tried to hold it and take it back um so and he was also kind of known i guess for uh helping influ- uh, influence and kind of spark the idea of like the speech from the balcony type of thing too i guess his kind of thing was for some reason he was kind of speaking from on high uh so he was well known for sure um uh, especially in italy and especially uh we it, uh basically what I've written here was that like you know the film was written by a nationalist or dentist and the film kind of seems to use like Romans as good guys who are trying to defeat the savage Carthaginians so like Mm -hmm. this is their saying Italy is Rome is the best Italy is the best let's 
you know, let's conquer the land. Let's take back what's ours. Let's let's kill the savages dirty, and infidel Carthaginian. Right. Carthaginians. And there's a really, I mean, the Moloch sequence <laughs> is super long because they're trying to portray like we're going to sacrifice a hundred children, and they show them putting the children into like the the face of the the god they worship or whatever yeah. Moloch. You know, yep. so like we they sacrifice these children, and the you know the they are like savages. They're they're crazy. Like, the people are dancing around fires, and they're just, like, you know, almost like they're on drugs. Like, they're very, very crazy. And right. it, it's very dark. The whole scene is very dark. The setting is very dark. The set is very dark. Um, so there's, like, this perception that they are very much, you know, they're going to kill Kabiria, the main, the the the, per, the little girl that the film is named after, you know. So it's just like this obvious, like, yeah, the Romans are... are, are pure looking they have good armor uh you know they're very high standing there's nothing about them that's like savage you know even they show hannibal who's a carthaginian and he's leading like he's almost like attila the hun he almost looks like that you know where he's he's kind of uh of a different land they're all like Mm -hmm. horseback and they're kind of grungy (laughs) you know like they're just wandering the desert looking for trouble that type of thing the romans are kind of like the Aryan, you know, yeah, totally, uh, like race, totally. kind of feel to it, you know. <laughs> yep, totally. Um, and so uh, this film was also released soon after the uh, Talo-Turkish War. So, like, you know, these ultra nationalist feelings and tensions were basically at an all time high. You know, coming off the conflict and you know, it, it conflict for that long and and when it's really intense, obviously, it doesn't just take a, you can't just get over it, right? So. Yeah these people were writing films like this in response and, and they, Kabiria was actually semi-used to kind of try and re-spark like the nationalist feelings and the ideas of trying to take back like propaganda basically, yeah. trying to take back land mm-hmm. um, so in in that regard in the way that uh, D'Annunzio is actually re- what he's really known for and with his writings and everything he's kind of like by historians credited as essentially being like a, a, a precursor or at least partially influential or maybe mostly influential to Italian fascism. Um, and then, and more specifically, Mussolini is named in that. And I guess I don't look into this too much, but I guess they kind of had their differences with ideas, but Mussolini sort of fed off of those, like he took the nationalist ideas and then pushed it to its extreme end yeah, of fascist ideas. Extreme, right. Yeah. So, He's kind of D'Annunzio, the writer or part writer of Kabiria, is essentially credited with kind of helping to create fascism, which I think is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of Kabiria, and like it's kind of odd that this film went so unseen and unknown, maybe because of its highly political leanings. I don't know, but you know, you would think that a film like this would be more well known like you know how many right. times do you even hear about it in like a film class or right. how many people have you ever heard mention it or in books I mean I was looking through my film books and like <clears throat> seeing trying to find Kabiria specifically like good luck yeah you know always- yeah it's not even kind of in there which is weird because it was also I read this like a, a trivia thing but it, it it was the first film to be shown like at the White House yeah yep. you know so like that has some importance to it you know just the fact that it did that 
I mean, I feel like maybe some people would be like, oh, yeah, fuck the White House. But I don't know. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal that that's a thing. And that was like, I don't know, you know, fairly, I think, early on in its life, too. Like, right after it was was, brought to America. Yeah, it was it was um, it was in June and the release date was April 18th. So it was it was literally like elite like a month wow. after a month and a half. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely insane. But yeah, so like, it's like it had such political influence, but then just disappeared. It's crazy. Yeah, which is so odd. So thanks, Scorsese's for showing for bringing <laughs> it back. <laughs> it's crazy how like so many like silent films and stuff like are tied with like, um, like revolutions or government uh, I deal you know like 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 fascism or uh, right like social like, policy yeah yeah it's yeah. it's interesting how that because i mean i guess it, it's like i guess like literature back in the day and now how the, it all ties in you know yeah uh, totally it, yeah but it's interesting in ways that we don't even know too. right exactly and, and we see it later yeah because yeah. i mean like you have like the rush you know like eisenstein with battleship potemkin it? yeah potemkin and Stuff like that, which you know, the, that film came, you know, like nine years after this. You That's know what I mean? Like, which is, I mean, it's impressive, like how how early this film actually is. You know, nineteen sixteen. I mean, that's that's you know, that's early. Uh, like, it's just it's super impressive. Because um, even Metropolis was in the you know in the twenties. So, yeah, it's just yeah, crazy. And this film, this film influenced like all of it, yeah, essentially. And, right. I mean, you really can see it. Like, I mean, and it's crazy to me, too. Like, in a two-hour period, now, for a silent film, that's really long. And, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, there's silent films that I like, but this one was right. hard to watch. And, yes. like you said, we I think we like we all got lost at different points. I definitely had to go back and try and, like, read certain plot points because I just couldn't keep up with the characters. I, I, w- I had the Wikipedia plot summary open up yeah. while I was watching the movie, and I was like... I even got lost still. Yeah, <laughs> I know, me like, totally. Yeah, I, like, I can't f- like something didn't add up. Like, totally. It was just I was like reading ahead and like, yeah. no, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like, okay, right. where, where am I? Oh, that happened. Right. <laughs> but what impresses yeah, like, me? Where are they? Yeah. What impresses me is that in that period of time, like even the description that I read for the film, they stuff an amazing amount of material into this like how much different space they cover where they jump from oh now we're in sicily now we're in like north africa now we're like in the desert somewhere and like now we're here 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 like absolutely and then 10 years there's a gap in the film apparently where it's like a 10 year gap or right. whatever, you know. Which like, I totally missed. I missed that. I missed <laughs> that too. I read that in, in on Wikipedia and was like, where the fuck was this gap? They just what throw it was? into a title card, basically, and that was it. Like I was probably reading the Wikipedia page when that <laughs> happened. The one thing that I really kinda thought about when I was watching this is how the audience would have seen that film. So you guys, you know, and me, like we're used to we know the language of film. Yeah, we're we're, right. we're we know we, like we yeah. we know more about film language than the people that watch this film because we've seen silent yeah. films, we've seen films with um, with dialogue, we've seen action movies, we've seen avant garde films, we've seen all right. sorts of films, um, short films, long films, you know, everything, right. color films that these people had never seen, never did see. 
uh, didn't even think about. Um, and but and, but they knew books. They knew true poems really well. But it's interesting. So like we're we're talking about how we got lost, and we know the language of film, right? Right. So I'm the whole time I was watching this, I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about. I wonder, like, how. I think it would have been an awe, like an awe shocking experience for the people that watch it because they're watching something that, like, like we all still do to this day. You get you forget that you're in a theater, you know, you're in a dark room and you're just oh, yeah, watching right. the screen. So that aspect of it, they were probably completely transported into Absolutely, a different yeah. world oh, yes. that they had never ever experienced before, besides in or their even own thought brains. about. Yeah, exactly. yeah. they've only yeah. seen it in like maybe a big opera or a, a theat- theatrical play or in their own imaginations when they read. Even plays right. wouldn't have been as epic as watching this. No, yeah. yeah. So like. So, like, when I was thinking about it, it's like the, the spectacle of it was probably the biggest appeal. And the story and everything, they probably got lost in the sense of following characters. Right. But I could be wrong because of, like you said, they were so well, probably well, well, depends. Uh, at this time, I'm guessing maybe probably more of the rich upper class might have right. been watching the films, not so much the poor. Yes. So they might... Because Ch- Chaplin really... He was kind of the guy who popularized that for, like, the poor. Yeah, right? yeah. So, like... Because it was a pretty highbrow medium until Chaplin and the other guy that I can never remember what his name is. So the people that would have been watching this would probably be well more... Like, well-versed in, 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 in um, literature than the poorer people so they might have been able to follow the characters right but it, they may have even is it is this entirely fictional is it an, an entirely fictional film did you or does it have spouts of because it has some non-fictional characters in it yeah i kind of took it i thought it was kind of just all complete almost all i'm fictional. sure it's based off but of stuff probably though. based on certain incidents based on certain stuff. events yeah. yeah okay that's what i thought yeah so like I, that's what i was kind of thinking about it's interesting to think about because like in mean, talking about peplum, we're talking about spectacle. We're talking about um, uh, visual stuff. So it's funny how in this day and age, because spectacle is such a big popular thing to get people into movie theaters. You know, you have Michael Bay, who's known for spectacle, but he also gets hate because of it. And then you have right. peplum that kind of like honestly, like people didn't go see westerns back in the teens and 20s and 30s really for the spectacle of it they wanted to go to kind of it was more of nostalgic it it it, right and it was about that character getting revenge or or saving the town and getting the girl it wasn't so much about the action and the spectacle in the way that these films were so it's interesting to see how peplum films actually kind of were precursors to all sorts of genre films and all sorts of action movies Mm -hmm. that weren't really being done till you know in the 80s or even 70s right totally and uh, which which kind of turned into superhero films that that we get yeah nowadays like those like when i see captain america i can draw more similarities between that and like this hercules or or the uh uh oh god what's what's the name of the the, the guy from this movie the massacist mac machiste mac, oh machiste yeah. Uh, I could draw more connections between Machiste and Captain America than I can between 
Machiste or between Captain America and like a good, bad and the ugly, you know, yeah. like Clint Eastwood. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it it seems more relevant to the superhero genre. When I think of uh, Captain America, Westerns. I the film that normally comes to mind that is very close um, would be Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, like they're, they're which very, we will be very, talking about. I'm pretty similar. sure. Yeah, I got. I haven't seen that in the one. way it's. Well, uh, Marathon Man and uh, Three Days of the Condor, or Three Days to the Condor, or something. Like that. Um, both of those films are kind of very closely. Are they pep? To... They're peplumy. No, no, they no. They're 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 uh, they're actually uh, like political kind not kind of political, but they're kind of like a CIA thriller kind of films. Oh, okay. So that kind of aspect, that aspect of Captain America, kind of like, kind of like Born or, um, or more suspenseful, less action, but less action. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Spectacle has always been something in film that's been around. Like yeah. the whole point of film was that you could have that you could see these things that you would never be able to see. You know, like you see a stage and you have to imagine a lot of it, but film showed it to you. You know, right. film for a lot of people, film was reality. You yeah, know. film films aren't meant to be. Most films aren't meant to be metaphorical. They're meant to be real. You know, right? But on stage, you have to still use your imagination to like get into it. You know, right? But not for movies. Mm-mm. No, so spectacle in that sense has always been the big. I mean, we talked about that this with like Cinescope. Like the reason why it came around was because they were trying to do something that was more exciting and bring people back into the theater, you know, and nowadays it's Marvel trying to bring people into theater because you got to watch the superheroes and uh, the yeah. spectacle of the superheroes, right. you know, like, or, or 3d, like, Oh, oh yeah. Hey, check 3D. this out in 3d, you know, yep. trying to like bring something new to it. IMAX too. Yeah. IMAX. Yeah. You, and even like Tarantino doing like his 70 millimeter, like revival, you know what I mean? The road like, show. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the, Yeah. It's like the classic, it's the it's all that nostalgic stuff. It's the stuff you miss. It's it's the old stuff that that is, um, quote unquote, better. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Got to have something to talk about your film with. <laughs> like, did you did you guys see the new? I, I'm sure you guys didn't see it because I, I don't think a lot of people saw it. But the new Woody Harrelson movie it came out like last year, maybe the year before, and he. They shot a movie and they shot it live and streamed it to the theater. Oh yeah, so they, I read about that. It was the first yeah. ever live streamed film or something like that. And they filmed it in yeah. London, right? Yeah, in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. Seems kind of cool. I feel like we should uh, look at that movie because it. I don't know. It's, I don't know it's why like I, I've never heard of thing. it even. So I don't know. I, well, yeah. <laughs> That's why we should look at it because, like, I don't think a lot of people know about it, and I think they should because that's kind of a new, it's a newer thing that only because of new technology and how these um, digital um, projectors work and what what their capabilities are, are we even able to do something like that? And I imagine it's hella work for the cinematographer or uh, you know all the camera operators to go through and make this movie because it's kind of like a play, but it's not because it's a film so it has to be grounded in reality yeah it was really it's kind of interesting i only heard about it because i watched like you know the youtube videos and stuff of uh, jimmy fallon and woody harrelson was on you know um talking about it and then he was on again later right before it you know aired you know 
before they did the live stream and uh you know i could tell he was like super nervous he's like it's either going to be super great because we were successful or it's going to be super crappy because <laughs> you know it, you know like it, yeah it, it didn't work out you know? right <laughs> but that, right. that'd be a lot of um uh stress on the crew and the cast like right. what if you messed up you know everybody right yeah because like the whole the whole idea with film is like you can always do another take you know yeah. but only so many right so you got to get like just good enough but in this case it's it's like a play like i'm sure the the cast like you know they're like on stage they're used to doing stuff like that but I've, i'd be more concerned about the crew being able to deliver a, a more stage-like performance where it's yeah. like if you fuck up you gotta like roll back into it like you can't ever reset and think about <laughs> it's it it's basically the 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 Super Bowl halftime show, but for a movie, right? Or well, it's like it's SNL like a, you, you have to be yeah, good at yeah. like Im- improv. Yeah, you know, you have to like because they're like flying around with these cameras. You know, they <laughs> they got them on dollies. They got them, or probably not dollies. They have them on uh, steady cams. Yeah. You know, like they're they're going around. Um, that's cool. So yeah, sure what's it, it called though? Practice. Lost in London. Oh, I don't know why I never yeah. heard of that. That it's got Harrelson. Uh, Owen Wilson and Willie Nelson. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. a trip. Yeah, it's got to be. A trip so with I, Willie I Nelson. feel like I feel like we, we got to watch it. We got to find something to pair it with. I think that'd be really cool. Definitely. Yeah, we'll add it to the list. Make sure you add it because I might forget. So add it. I'll do. I'll definitely do that. Um, I don't know if we really if we need to touch on quick reviews. I think or not. Or, you know, either way. We Let's, do just, uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll just do it really quick. If you then. had to pick a film, what film would it be? <laughs> Kabiria. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I can't. Uh, well, I know why Byron picked uh, picked that. <laughs> Probably because I would, I would say Kabiria because of its historical relevance. Yes. Whereas, like you know, Hercules is historically relevant, but. Kabiria just I don't know the hot babes <laughs> it's the hot babes <laughs> oh or the hot man <laughs> the hot man there's a lot of fucking bulked up dudes in that movie but honestly I, I I pick I agree with Keith I think when I'm watching these two movies all I'm really thinking about is the historical significance right. of the movies yeah. Yeah. and for me I mean for most people I think Kabiria hits that way harder than Hercules um it almost seemed, even though Hercules kind of was the birth of the new peplum movement. Um, I think we can all appreciate the original, original one uh, as yeah. far as we know now. You know what I mean? That kind of yeah. started the peplumy character, um, and um, you know, and, and started just the epic. Like, yeah that's cool like knowing like like this is the this is the first epic film you know that that came out even even though it's fucking hard to watch even though i don't want i want to watch it again but i don't you know um but i mean hercules is more entertaining for sure i'd say hercules is more entertaining like it's easier to watch and it just is it just happens and you're watching like yeah i agree there's not a lot of like hercules encounters problems but it's you know he's kind of a flawless character and he kind of just goes over like works his way through the problems like yeah. there's never really anything too big um right you know Kabir yeah, like super yeah and you know who Hercules is compared to everyone else like he's so obviously different and you, like it, 
it's just easy to follow and <laughs> easy to watch whereas Kabiria like you know you gotta be paying attention but you know if you're a film if you're trying to learn stuff about film history or you're trying to apply old films to your knowledge to make films then obviously Kabiria is the way to go Pretty oh yeah for sure I, I think Hercules still has its place but yeah you know if I was you know if I had to if I had to you know pick one it would for sure be i mean if you're listening to this episode you should have watched both anyway so you know. yeah yeah if you're listening <laughs> no excuse of the episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, inside joke <laughs> listeners won't get that one that's an uh, just for us oh man yeah <laughs> sucker listeners why do you listen to this <laughs> Go listen to something else. <laughs> yes, just draw them all away from us. Good idea. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Hit uh, next. Well, in the spirit of trying to shorten our episodes, I think we should wrap it up right here. Um, right here. Right now. <laughs> right here. That's a, a Fatboy Fat Slim song, sorry. <laughs> I'll just insert a clip of that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we should also do... In uh, Kabiri, though, it's the, it's the credit sequence song. <laughs> we should also do uh, Hercules by Young Thug. <laughs> Herca Hercules. Herca Hercules. Yeah. This is why Byron doesn't edit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It'd be, yeah, it'd, it'd be different for sure. Not, and it, it wouldn't be better. It would just be different, weird, and yeah, it, yeah right. probably, probably for the yeah, it would be bad. It'd be very much. It would be like it'd be B Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> We said it at the exact same time. That was hilarious. Oh, my God. Exact same thought process. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> We're in sync. We're completely in sync. We are, like, two people away from actually being in sync, so we could be there. We could be in sync soon. That was a funny joke. Who would be, who'd be I like, like that joke. Who would, well, I don't even know all the, char- all the band members of NSYNC besides Justin Timberlake. Well, we know you would be Lance Bass. So I don't. I'll take oh it because I don't. Keep the nose. Because I, I don't Keith even know. Nose. I don't I never guess this. I don't who even know the, the name, so I'll take it. Well, I know Lance Bass because he's the one who came out as being gay. Oh damn it! <laughs> damn it! <laughs> what is this? I think as an eighth grade. And then we Jesus. all know Timberlake, right? Oh Are you guys from god. Washington? Oh my god, that's awesome! All right, who else? <laughs> I guess I would have to be Timberlake because I kind of host the podcast. What so. about what about Backstreet Boys? All right. Do you guys know any of the other ones? I don't. No, I, don't I have no idea their names any of at all. If I say the first names, could you guess the last name? No, Probably not. I would never know. Joey. Doesn't Badass. Joey Badass. No. Doesn't that just go by Joey? JC. Oh, I feel like I knew JC. I yeah, I don't know these at all. Chazes. JC Chazes. I just Chris Kirkpatrick. Oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds yeah. vaguely familiar, but I'm thinking probably there's an actor in name. And then JT. And the last one is Joey Fatone. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Fatone. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I would never have gotten that at all. Never. Never. So but who's yeah, Jacob? Night, who's Jacob? Jacob Oh, is... I'm obviously Joey Fatone. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. It's pretty it obvious. It starts with a J. Or Chris Kirkpatrick, yeah. you know, like Chris Miller, similar to that. Yeah. Kind of oh. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling it back around. Ha. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. did you guys want to do Bastard Boys too? Do we need? I, to? I don't, can you name? I, I don't. Can you name any of them? No, 
Yeah, was he's the uh, no? I was, Nick Cannon. I was gonna say Nick Cannon. No, it's not Nick Cannon. <laughs> it's, it's Nick. It's what, super Nick, close. Uh, Carter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nicky Carter. Uh, boy. Nick Cannon. <laughs> was there a Brian or something? Yes, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll I'll be that guy because he's close to Byron. It's the yeah, closest yeah, I'm going to get. No, it's not close. It is. I know Jacob kind of looks like the tall guy. <laughs> Jacob, you're the tall guy. I don't remember what his name is. But the tall guy? The tall guy with the black hair. That's you. Oh, okay. Not the blonde hair guy. Wait, oh, here it, we go. It... Kevin Richardson. There you go. You're oh, Kevin. Kevin. Okay. Um, I'll be... Uh, no, wait, you're that, Kevin. That should, he's actually be Keith, <laughs> yeah, wait a second. That, you yeah, be but Kevin. Jacob actually looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that, a little no. bit actually. No. Uh, like, like, you guys you look like none of these guys. <laughs> Clearly oh, <yeah>. I don't. <laughs> none of them are half Asian. <laughs> I don't even know. I think there's like a fake Mexican guy we, in that group, we, but we wouldn't be doing the podcast if we look like the people. <laughs> right. Yeah, we do we'd be doing a video. We'd cast be the newest we kids on the block. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh god. You know, I don't think I've ever actually tried to sing. <coughs> Try it right now. I can't. Do there's it. There's no way. There's no way. Dude, we're not. There's, no, what? there's no way. I'd All right. There's no it. one listening. Keith, hit, hit, <laughs> Keith hit, uh, hit end record, and I'll do the same. Oh, Click. my God. Yeah, no, I can't. All right. Click. Now, uh, sing. We're not recording. <laughs> like, it would be just too, it's too weird for me to even really. Sing. I, I don't even sing, know where to sing, begin. Uh, do like, sit. Repeat after me. I want it that Oh, he way. knows the songs. He's making fun of us for knowing Sing names, it. and he knows the songs. Sing it. Uh, you I know, karaoke I'm, song. I'm pretty sure it. Backstreet Boys reformed, though. I think they do. I think, I think I saw them Backstreet in, like, the newspaper, Back. actually. I think the, right. the best thing they've ever done Sing was it. when they were, they did the end to, um, uh, was it This Is The End? Or, uh, yeah, the, uh, this is the end. Yeah, with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> with Seth Rogen and Franco. Yeah. And I love how you know all the songs. <laughs> I think Jacob yeah. has them on his like iPod or whatever. He, he do, we to, uh, to listen, do we need to get license rights uh, for along, our podcast? Along with it's going to be a lot of work for you, Keith. Along with the Disney radio. <laughs> <laughs> I think no, you're... Kids Bop. I'm a Kids Bop kind of guy. I think your uh, singing is far enough and crappy enough from them that like, <laughs> we don't need to get the rights. I think I still sound pretty close to Kevin Richardson. <laughs> that's that's your Halloween costume. You should just dress as him. Oh, I, no, I just I just go out. Like, oh, are you Kevin Richardson? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> no one has ever asked you that. <laughs> that's the best part. Because no one knows who Kevin Richardson even fucking is. Nope, they just know like Nick Carter. Yeah, I actually prefer you know? Aaron Carter. <laughs> oh, that name sounds familiar. Wasn't he just up here in Bellingham like a two I think he ago? came to like the buff or something yeah, or Mount yeah, Baker Theater the or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of Buffalo. Dude, I heard he like banged some chicks up there. Like, I remember I'm talking sure. to someone like, oh, yeah, he like went home with a couple. Dude, there couple were so Bellingham many chicks hamsters. that went to that. They were just like, oh, the nostalgia. We got to see it, right? That's, yeah, weird. Does he actually have. Oh yeah, he does sing shit, dude. He still he like tours, and you know, like you said, we came here. Who was so. that guy? Was he a Disney guy? Aaron it's Carter, a Nick Carter's brother. He was in Lizzie McGuire. Oh no, no, as himself. I think he was just a. Um, he was just famous. He, he was just a singer. It was he really? Uh, no, he Carter was a singer. Yeah, it's, it's famous due to proximity. Aaron Carter. It was oh, his wow. brother. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, but I, I learned think he became more day. famous, <laughs> or maybe not more. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. 
Well, he has money. Well, or used to have money. They all podcast do. Podcast just went to like the TMZ of music now. So, I know. We just wasted like, like we five are, minutes talking about. Dumb we are shit. the TMZ of music of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> of just all entertainment shit. We are TMZ now. <laughs> we yeah. We just that is our secret. Uh, Today with know, uh, Rob Kardashian or... in Black China. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could get way more gossipy if we really, oh, really yeah, wanted it'd be to. Ridiculous. Though. <laughs> um, I'd rather geek out and talk about the weird, like, oh my god, did you see the the long take in in that film? <laughs> yeah, right. right. And, yeah. Did you guys like see Baby Driver? Like, uh, such a cool soundtrack. It's like oh, my favorite. My god, I was like totally, bro. I was like salivating when Isaac Gonzalez came in. <laughs> uh, I had like such a raging clue. <laughs> 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 uh, this yeah, oh my god, we need a, we need like a shortened version for like film bro that we can just call people. Yeah. Well, I think for our twentieth episode, we should just do a, a film bro episode where we all act like film. And we do Fight Club and um, uh, Drive, <laughs> <laughs> and we film bro it up, dude. We could do or drive, do Baby Driver drive, and Drive. Drive deserves its own. <laughs> You're already doing it. See, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> Bro, you just don't get it. Drive is intellectual. Drive is it's intellectual. It's thought-provoking. Yeah. It's existential. I bought, it's I bought my jacket because of that superhero movie. fucking superhero movie, dude. Bro. Ryan Gosling, bro. Like, <laughs> moody, intel- intellectual, yeah. like, yeah. the best Do you even actor. know Ryan Gosling? He's, like, crazy stupid love. Like, he's in good shit. Dude. Dude, like, I named... B Ryan after Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> B Ryan, because he wanted more Ryan in there. Uh, I, I bought my like, jacket. That's like that how movie, that's like how I pick up girls, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, like I don't really normally have a problem with that anyway, but with just the Ryan, just gets you, get you just that. dress in your scorpion yeah, jacket just, and call exactly. yourself B Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's started, funny. It's, it's funny yeah. because you would be the B, like B list Ryan Gosling. Yeah, you're like yeah. Hey, if, if you can't get A Ryan, B Ryan is ready. Oh my god, that's awesome. And he's got a toothpick in his mouth. He's ready to go. So yeah, well, what about Ryan Reynolds? Uh, he wasn't hot until um, until uh, that one movie that everyone yeah, yeah that movie. So he's cool now. So if my name if my name literally like ten yeah. days before that movie came out, everyone's like, "No, nah, fuck Ryan." Reynolds. Dude, Ra- Ryan Reynolds sucks. Ryan Reynolds' greatest like, oh, film, so amazing. His greatest film is National Lampoon. Duh. Like, obviously. I haven't seen that. Obviously, I've only seen Christmas Vacation. I haven't seen the other. Obviously, fucking. Get on my level, bro. <laughs> Get on my level. Oh, Van Wilder? Oh, that's that the one I meant. Yeah, Van Wilder. Well. I, there was one movie that I saw him in. I think that was okay before Deadpool. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, it wasn't a Ryan. Wasn't movie. he in like, what was that one where it, it was like Jason <laughs> Bateman? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you saying? Me? Yeah, I just say, like, there, there's got there was a film with Ryan Reynolds in it that I remember that was okay, like he did an okay job in it, but it wasn't like a Ryan Reynolds movie, like he wasn't the, oh. he wasn't like the star. 
Dude, you know what we need uh, okay, to do? Gotcha. We need to yeah, do a series of short film parodies where you're the star and like we replace you, like <laughs> Saving Private B. Ryan or something, where we just replace oh you <laughs> with all those characters. We, we should just get a blue screen and like super like and composite yeah, him into I, the movie. I can't act worth shit though, so it have to be. Like, I know one that's of those, why it'd be funny. It have to be one of those like goofy ones where it's like literally the actor, but they just like you guys just like. You guys just like took a fo- like a goofy ass photo of my face and just stuck it on their face. <laughs> we'll do like yes. South Park am- animation right, with right. you in like a real yeah, film, yeah. like the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. What's Terrence? Terrence and Phil. Terrence and Phil. Yeah, dude, those, that's yeah. The, those are the best characters on South Park. They have dude, the best. I could see it. We would just superimpose <laughs> your face on Matt Damon's face in Saving Private Ryan. Do the Canadian South Park oh thing, and right. we'll just do like a shitty right. voice for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do the I, shitty I, voice. Yeah, too. I, don't, I can't even do the voice. I'm I can't do try. the voice. Well, I, I could. I'd have, I'd have to practice it. You have to. Yeah, you'd have to practice. Oh man, that's awesome. No, I think we could do it. I think it'd be really good, think, and it would be internetable. I think we'd so have I to. Think we'd be, but we'd have to do ones, which means nothing, by the way. We'd have to do ones where like every like you guys were in it too. Like we'd have to make like a little like. Like sketches, you know. Yeah, it has to be like a sketch comedy. Yeah. And also, oh, no. we need I think films. it's all you, dude. No, I don't like that. I don't like it when it's all me. <laughs> well, but Keith and I like it. So <laughs> it's, two, it's two to one. No, I don't like it. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to like it. I, I, we have to like it. <laughs> I want. I want to share the uh, the embarrassment. <laughs> nah. Oh man! Nah. We need more movies that have Ryan in the title, yeah. so we can just the life of, life of Ryan. life of Brian, life of B life Ryan, of, by my, my, life my of life. B Ryan. Um, God, Byron White. That's what comes up on Wikipedia. Who is that? B Ryan White. Oh, American football <laughs> halfback and an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. What the fuck? <laughs> Just saying, he was a halfback, and he's a Supreme Court. He's on IMDb. Associate Justice. No, he's. A, oh. No. Oh, I think like IMDb. That I was like, what? I think this is the only person who is a justice of the Supreme Court and who was in the NFL. That is insane. Wow. And his name is Byron Raymond. Uh, quotes Wizard. That was his name. <laughs> Wizard. White. Wow. Wizard. That was his nickname. Fun facts. <laughs> There's a film called Ryan's Daughter, set in the wake of the 1916 Easter Rising. A married woman in a small Irish village has an affair with a troubled British officer. Oh God! <laughs> B I Ryan's daughter. Is, where this is going? <laughs> Jack B Ryan, shadow recruit. <laughs> oh my God! That's right. Good. We could watch a. Uh, uh, B. Ryan De Palma movie. That's true. That's true. Oh, I like that. I love Brian De Palma. I like that. All right, never mind. <laughs> Damn it. What about The Brain? That's pretty close. The, brain. the B. Ryan. Oh my God. The B. Ryan. The Brain. That is uh, a horrible, horrible joke. <laughs> I apologize. I know it's. I know it's. Listening. I know it's uh, Jackie Brown, but it could be Jackie B. Ryan. <laughs> God. Um, All right. All right, Keith. Oh, man. Kevin. I'm having All too right. much fun now. I don't want to leave All us right, out. All right, Kevin. Let's hang out. Keep cave on. Cave on? <laughs> You're just <laughs> getting worse and worse and worse <laughs> as you go. Pretty soon it's going to be like... Like... <laughs> like... <laughs> 
we'll do Rocky B. Ryan and you can talk like Stallone. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> oh my god, it's so bad because I am seriously the worst actor ever. <laughs> like I wouldn't Dude. I wouldn't be able to do it at all. You're pretty good if you just put a mask on your face. And, <laughs> and hide your face. Just, yeah. That, well, yeah, that's the thing. Paper bag it. I just paper, paper bag myself. <laughs> I do it every day. Uh, I do it yeah, every like, day. You'd be good in Frank, the movie Frank. Yeah, with Michael <laughs> you'd Fassbender. Be the best. Yeah. Uh, you can oh, do it. If yeah. Fassbender can do it, I can do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I think about everything, so... <laughs> Wow. Okay. All right. Play us out, Kevin. So if you have any questions, topic suggestions, opinions, or if you have any fact corrections, go ahead and send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. We're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our Facebook page and join our group to comment on or discuss this this week's episode or any week's episode, for that matter. Uh, All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, at Back to Back Films, and at SoundCloud.com slash btbfilms. Our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at SkinnyProducing.com. Skinner. (laughs) Uh, Next week, we'll be covering Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and Pleasantville, focusing on the digital intermediate and basically the beginnings of our current digital digital age of filmmaking. Uh, So make sure you watch those films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.